Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling, and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. another episode of the Podmania podcast. Podmania number 110. Fucking hell, these 110 episodes have gone fast, haven't they, Chris? I've only been here for half of them. That is true. That is true. Hi, Chris. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Tired. Fucking WrestleMania weekend. I've watched so much wrestling. I still haven't got around to the penis pie. Uh. There's worse things you will, you know, that you can say about this weekend than, you know, I didn't get to watch the penis party. Um, yeah, very true. It's it's been a long weekend already, and the longest is yet yeah. to come. And it sounds like we're ragging on the weekend. <laughs> we're not. It's been genuinely very, very enjoyable. It's just that I am, ex- I'm so tired, and I know Chris is actually more tired than I am because did am I right in thinking you've watched both events thus far, NXT and G One? You've watched them both yeah, live all up. the way through. I stayed up for both of them, and I'm planning to watch at least the bulk of Mania Life tonight. You. You're a terrifying prospect, Chris O'Brien. Um, well, fucking, it's the Easter holidays in uni. What the fuck else am I meant to do? That is true. Uni work, fuck off. That is true. Well, for the first time ever, I'm not off during Mania, so I have actually got to go to work tomorrow, um, which is oh, incredibly yes. annoying, as I would usually, you know, like, like you've just said, try and crack out the most of Mania on the Sunday. Um, but I apparently was a lot more tired than I thought I was because I managed the first match live of NXT... And then I watched none of G1 Supercard. And I don't really understand why this happened, because it said it was going to start at half past ten, and then at twenty past no, eleven... No, what it is, is New Japan World, New Japan World don't um, accommodate the clock changing. Well, that's just ridiculous. You know, it fucked me up during the G1. I got up fucking an hour early for nothing. <laughs> I was just I was. it got to about twenty past eleven, I was like, I am going to have to go to bed. I am so tired. Mm-hmm. Um, admittedly, or... we just don't accommodate for it on New Japan World. Ah, well, that makes more sense. I wasn't going to rant I, about it. I don't think the clocks change. I don't think the clocks change in Japan. So. Well, apparently, England are getting rid of them in like 2022 <laughs> or something ridiculous. Apparently, we're getting rid it of them. Will... I like how we need. To... I like how we need to prepare ourselves for it. I think we do. I think you know, Fredo's having gone up from 10p. You know, Jif turning into Sif and. Marathon turning into Snickers. I think this could just be the icing on the cake. We're going to full scale, right? It's going to be like 28 Snickers days later. Snickers for me. Snickers has literally always just been Snickers for me. What about opal fruits? Do you remember opal fruits? No. Do you no, even know what they were? No clue. It's... Oh, no. What well, fuck were they? Um, Starburst. They were. They were Starburst. Hey. Well done. I just guessed from. Garth would be so proud. 
<laughs> now it's going to be more. Well, no, we shouldn't go on a tangent. Okay, let's just get into it. <laughs> Chris has had a lot of very, very strict orders before we came on air that we have got a fucking shit ton of wrestling to talk about. Please don't go off tangent. And his words were, it's Garth usually. So, Garth, <laughs> no, when you're listening, my friend, because... You have got more of a social life than we have, hence why you're not part of this podcast. Apparently, you are the facilitator to Chris, and you are the reason, the single reason, that Chris goes off on these tangents. So, we'll be having words. Twisting my words, Rob. You're just mad that I'm looking up on the predictions this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we probably should uh, open with that. So, after the first two, um, you've won both. Uh, joint with Garth. I have won both. Uh, for NXT, but yeah, it's been... Uh... But Garth is in competition. Garth is in competition, no. It's like when that bottom of the league team just occasionally pulls out a surprise victory out of nowhere, but it doesn't really matter because they're already relegated. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how this has happened, but it, currently the standings heading into Mania uh, are 7-6-2. So Garth's still a fair way behind. So my win Mania is drawn. It is drawn. I mean, we're carrying on. It's not like Mania is like you know the season ender. That it will continue. Um, when do when do we finish this, the season? We don't. There is no season. It's oh ever- god, so this just goes on forever. It's like Eastenders. It's, it's like PewDiePie versus T Series. We have two very different analogies there. Well, fucking, I'm trying to keep it relevant, Rob. How is Eastenders not relevant? How is Eastenders <laughs> not relevant? Name so, one person you know who watches Eastenders. Mine. My aunt does. I probably made that up. Okay, actually, cool. she's I far too really relevant. She's yeah. far, far too cool, far too cool to watch your standards. Uh, final thing before we head into our uh, reviews: What are you drinking tonight? Oh, um, tenants now. Jack Daniels when Mania starts. Ah, fantastic! I am drinking a neon pink cider, um, <laughs> Brothers Rhubarb and Custard flavored cider. It is absolutely gorgeous, but it have, is that. Have you ever had Stibby cider? I have not. I have not. Is it nice? It, they make. They, they have red cola cider, fruit mm. salad cider, which is like the little like fruit salad bag you get from the tuck shop, and um, what's your oh iron brew cider, which is the best thing in the world. Of course it is. You're Scottish. That's all you drink. <laughs> it's all you do. Cereal. Put some iron brew in it. Well, iron brew extra because you know looking after the weight, but. <laughs> Diet Iron Brew. Um, yeah, shout out to the Brothers Cider. Um, I don't know, they're probably not listening, but if you fancy the sponsorship. Um, Imagine. Honestly, it is that sugary. It's like an E-numbers gangbang in my mouth. Genuinely, it is... the. It says it's crisp and tangy. It says it's crisp and tangy. And that is the biggest understatement ever. I've got a headache. I've only I'd, had two sips. I'd like, to, I'd like to put on record that you started this tangent. I did. Shall we get into it? Yeah. Right, so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is our review of NXT TakeOver New York and of the G1 Supercard. Now, obviously today, um, we're not going to be talking Mania, obviously. Um, we're going to give a very, very short review of all the matches, because obviously we've got quite a lot of matches to get through. We're going to give our star ratings, and especially when it comes to the G1 Supercard, not meaning to spoil anything, but... There's going to be quite a few things to discuss, whereas NXT yes. TakeOver was run very, very well, was a very well-oiled machine, and top to bottom, Chris, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this could be the best TakeOver ever. I don't think we're any good about it, but there's no match below an eight on the cast. No, 
this this card was absolutely sensational. This was a great night of wrestling. This was a absolute. It flew by. It was just over three hours. Absolutely fantastic. The main event was one of the most perfectly constructed matches I've ever seen. The UK Championship match was just incredible. For anyone who hasn't seen Walter yet, good God. I mean, the man does... Literally, all he does is chop shit and lift people. And it is the most entertaining match I've seen. It's it's brilliant. It's so much fun to watch. The Dream and Matt Riddle put on an absolute clinic. It was a really, really good match. I know Garth's got this weird thing against Matt Riddle. But honestly, I, I just loved it. I, there, like you say, there's not a match that I didn't enjoy on this card. There's one I didn't enjoy as much of the other, as the others. Um... And we'll get into that slightly because I thought the the ending was very sort of out of nowhere, really. Pardon me. Mm. I'm now full of this cider. I'm now all burpy. But we opened up with the NXT Tag Team Championship match with the War Raiders, the current NXT champions, defeating the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic winners, Alistair Black and Ricochet, in 21 minutes and 10 seconds after a fallout. Opinion, Chris. Oh, God, this fucking... Oh, by the way, if my mum did watch this show with me, she'd end up going, oh, I watched a couple of matches and watched a couple things, so I'll have some mum notes as we're going through this. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we should remind listeners that the um, member of the War Raiders, Hanson, um, is Gar- uh, sorry Chris's mum's favourite wrestler, I believe. Yes. So uh, she, she thinks he's very clever. I think he's very clever? Yeah, he thinks the fact that he's so big and he was split makes him very clever. Sure, that just makes him like. I, I don't think that makes him clever. I think that just makes I d- him. I, I didn't say my mum was sober at the time. Okay, right. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, first thing I'm going to ask then, Chris. Um, when we reviewed NXT Takeover Phoenix back in January, uh, we mm-hmm. raved about the War Raiders, War Raiders Undisputed Era tag team match, and we rated it very, very highly. Mm-hmm. So it was an excellent match. I believe we rated it nine. Um, this match, how does it compare? Like I'm gonna, it's gonna sound like I'm just a hype beast because I, I was there, but I don't think either match quite reaches the UK Championship tag match. The one between of like the Mustache Mountain Grizzled Young Veterans one. Yeah. Okay. Because um, in terms of that match, it was just the psychology was mixed perfect with the action. This match didn't have much like psychology. It was like a lucha underground main event, which I'm totally fine with. Like great way to open a mania um, show, but. It it doesn't quite touch back for me, but still, like, sounds like I'm ragging on a bit. Actually, there's nothing actually wrong with matches for my own personal tastes. Like, if we rank and take over tag matches, like yeah. this is probably second. This does be the undisputed era match for me. I agree, and I was I was the main advocate of the undisputed era uh, war raids match. See, for me, this match, I enjoyed this more than the Mustache Mountain versus Grizzled Young Veterans one. And again, that was probably match of the night of the UK takeover. Mm. Um, well, no, probably about it. It was, um, this match. I just really enjoyed how they paired off the, um, sort of the two pairs you had. Alistair I did Black. enjoy that. I enjoyed Alistair Black versus Rowe and Hanson versus Ricochet. Um, I enjoyed the commentary as well, where they were saying like, Oh, and these two are the most athletic. And just to look at them in the ring, you think really, but Hanson is just a beast. The crowd 
absolutely nuclear throughout the card. Absolutely. Did you notice that someone got chucked out during this match? Yes. Um, someone <laughs> shouting, you deserved it as well. I thought someone had yeah. been proposed to. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Imagine nice. That like, but like, no, it's like, because you can fucking see people just looking over there. That's not get, that's not happening to a... Say again? That's not happening to a proposal, like people just looking down the other side of the arena. Well, I'm sorry, Chris. I didn't pay that much attention. I was watching Hanson do flips and shit. <laughs> By the way, I did love at the beginning of the match um, the, um, oh, I could have fucked you up spots between Black and Rope. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just then, like, I, like, this kick could have fucked you, but I have too much respect for you. Yeah, and it's but, nice to see it's a bit as well. Cheapered, but it was fun. Yeah, it's nice to see yeah. that respect between the yeah. two teams as well. Yeah, um, I remember, like, my mum was, was actually like, um, oh, it's a big match, we could be smiling. I'm like, I think Roe has um, Truth Till Death tattooed on him, and Alistair Black is a demon on his back, and that were very smiley people. Alistair Black is 96% tattoo. Um... Yeah, he is. It, it was just he it was such a yeah, exactly. It was just such a hard hitting match on the point on the part of Alistair Black and Rowe. Everything seemed to hurt. Everything they proper went for each other. They gave it just enough time for the War Raiders to come across absolute badasses. They gave Ricochet enough time to do his flippy shit. There was a brilliant maneuver that was a black mass into a um, shooting star press, which unfortunately was only a near fall. Um, there was the spot where Hanson... When Ricochet missed that 6 foot 30 right after. Oof. Oh, God, My the God. bump he took. How did he not shatter his shoulders? Well, apparently he did injure himself. But, uh, how did... Yeah, fuck. Ow. Yeah, you felt that. As he hit the ring canvas, you, you felt that. And believe it or not, this isn't the worst bump of the two nights. Of the two nights, definitely. Um, yeah. Ultimately, this was Alistair Black and Ricochet's swan song. Um, they were bowed out of the ring after the end of the match by the War Raiders, um, and they then got chants going. The crowd, um, Ricochet seemed to be enjoying every single second of this, seemed to be savouring mm. everything, even from very, very early on where both him and Alistair Black did the sit-down pose. And you could just see Ricochet turning around looking <laughs> at the crowd. Exactly. It was like a small child who'd just been led into Toys R Us and saying, there's no, 40 like quid, go and get Black. something. It's like about Alistair Black said to me, hey, do you want to do the Neil spot? I'm like, yes, I do want to do the Neil spot, Alistair Black. <laughs> um, but ultimately, the War Raiders would go on to victory and Alistair Black and Ricochet, presumably now moving on to the main roster, that is them done for NXT. They got very, very loud cheers of thank you and you deserve it and everything like that, which is excellent. Um, I think Alistair Black is very much overdue a call-up. Um, and Ricochet, mm -hmm. obviously, he was only in NXT for a year, but obviously with Kushida having signed, which we'll go into in a moment, I think Kushida probably takes this place of Ricochet as, like, not necessarily the high flyer, but certainly of that sort of ilk. Um, yeah, exactly. The junior heavyweight of the division. So... Overall, Chris, I think... I know Garth was very, very wet for this match. Um, oh, yeah, he actually messaged me right after going, what a fucking match. Yeah, I, he, I believe he's giving it a 10. Um, I don't think it's that good. I'm going to give it a 9. Chris, what are you doing? I'd uh, go 9. Go 9? That is the official Podmedia rating, nine. then. War Raiders versus Alistair Black and Ricochet, 9 stars. 
Um, we move on then to the NXT North American Championship match with the Velveteen Dream, the current champion, defeating Matt Riddle in 17 minutes and 35 seconds. Now, the first most important thing that I wanted to see was what wrestler is Velveteen Dream going to be taking the piss out of in his entrance attire? And unfortunately, it wasn't a wrestler, but his he was still looked resplendent. Well, he he was wearing Macho Man trousers. Was he wearing Macho Man trousers? Was he? Yeah, yeah, they were like WCW Macho Man trousers. Oh, okay. Well, that well, wasn't made not owned glaringly by obvious. Man, but like styled. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say. Whereas the other ones, you could obviously see the homage to the wrestler. This definitely wasn't as obvious. Yeah. But his entrance as the Statue of Liberty was was just incredible. The man is a gifted showman. And, and he was also on like the Macho Man um, throne. He was on the Macho Man throne. And they did actually reference that in the commentary as well. Um, there yeah. was a great moment where they went to pick up the throne and uh, Velveteen Dream hadn't sat down. You could see him go, oh, fuck. Um, but... <laughs> I should probably sit down now. <laughs> yeah, shit. Um the sooner he goes up to the main roster, I mean, he he's going to go one of two ways. Oh, keep him the fuck away from well, the main roster. Well, he's either going to go one of two ways. He's either going to be the biggest thing ever, or he is going to be gold dust. There's there's just, unfortunately, yeah, exactly. there's no middle ground for a character like the Velveteen Dream. Considering when, he, when the vignettes first started for the Velveteen Dream, and everyone was like, just Prince. I, I don't get it. It's just, yeah. it's just Prince, and everyone saw went. Well, this is going to be dog shit. And Patrick Clark has just done unbelievably well with this gimmick, and just he's made him one of the most, one of the most over baby faces in the company to the point where the chance for Matt Riddle, who again is one of the most over people in the company, was just, the chance for him were drowned out completely by chance for the Velveteen Dream, who is for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes a heel. Yeah. But that Absolutely. just goes yeah, it just goes to show the charisma of the man and just how good he is at working a crowd. And, you know, to couple with that the fact that he is just so good in ring and he can tell such a good story just made this yeah, match fantastic. I think in ring, like in terms of like fundamentals, like from, like if he was trained in Japan Dodge or something, he's not like quite there, but in terms of like storytelling and ring psychology he's got it down fine on that for yeah he has absolutely like, you, can, you can see like some of his punches and some of his clotheslines are a bit weak but that can be aired out nxt the development ground after all yeah exactly when you consider that he hasn't been anywhere else you know he, he is an nxt sort of when you consider he's basically my age yeah exactly and you look at his body and think fucking hell that is chiseled as fuck um, you could great cheddar. You could exactly, and then he's next to Matt Riddle, who again you could also do the same of. Um, I re- mm. I loved the juxtaposition between these two. I I wasn't sure how the chemistry would work between these two, um, because they are just you know so like? different. Was, you know, in the Phantom Menace, when Qui Gon tries to do his mind tricks on Wall, and it's like your mind tricks don't work on me. It was like that. Like, Matt Riddle's not quite intelligent enough for mind tricks to work on him. (laughs) But do you know what? It was... It worked. It worked. Mm. You've got Matt Riddle striking and fucking hell some of those strikes, Um, especially Mm. those knees. Jesus Christ. I know that the Velveteen Dream sold them beautifully, but I swear to God, some of them were stiff as fuck. Um, 
I mean, you've got Velveteen Dream literally clinging on for his dear life, clearly having underestimated Matt Riddle. You'd got a tiny little hint of almost a heel turn for Matt Riddle, just as he was getting that frustration. Um, just I after thought it was going to happen after the match. Yeah, just after he'd hit the floating bro, which is a great name for a move. No, Garth hates it. Garth was just messaging me going, does every move have to be fucking bro? What is it? The bro mission as well, wasn't it? <laughs> bro to sleep. Oh, that go to sleep looked absolutely amazing. But, like, the dream got little to no offense in. He had a brief rallying period about 12 minutes in. Um, where he managed to hit the um, the Dream Valley driver and you know his usual offense, but it was literally just and him trying. Yeah, exactly. It was li- literally him trying to counter Riddle's just furious, furious offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was one of those matches where you were stuck between a rock and a hard place, really, because you didn't want Matt Riddle to lose because they made it very clear he had not been pinned, he had not been submitted since he'd started in NXT. But then again, you didn't want the Dream to lose the championship yet. So the way they've gone about it, I think, was perfect. It was similar to the way that um, Ember Moon defeated Shayna Baszler the first time, rather Mm -hmm. than actually defeating her you know, comfortably, it was more of a fluke, sort of, I'm going to pin your shoulders against the mat whilst you're performing a move on me. Yeah. And I thought that was the right way to do this, because Velveteen Dream had to win. Velveteen Dream had to retain his championship. He hasn't defended it yet. Um, and especially after we've just come off the back of a Gargano reign that lasted about four weeks, it would make sense for, you know, the Velveteen Dream to have a good title defence, a defence against an established name, Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, for me, he really established himself to the NXT audience because they only know, you know they haven't seen him perform in any great matches so far. He had an all right match against no. Cassius Ono at Takeover Phoenix, and then he had that what three yeah. second squash. Yeah, to, yeah, basically. And other than that, just got sent that when Ono just got sent to put the NXT UK. But exactly, exactly, as like this weird gatekeeper person. Um, but Can't overall, fun. this match was excellent. They both uh, fist bumped in the middle of the ring afterwards, sort of. But I still think there's a little bit of a tease there for Matt Riddle. Just a little bit of a tease. Yeah. I think one day, like, Matt Riddle will go serious. Like, the day, the day he stops wearing flip-flops is the day we know he's taking this seriously. The day Matt Riddle stops wearing flip-flops is the day we know shit is going down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I, you think I do this much damage without shoes. Now look at this fucking boot. <laughs> it does make me laugh that the best... <laughs> the one chink in the armour, according to Maranello, is just to stamp on Matt Riddle's foot. Everyone does it, and it's amazing. Everyone no one does to, it. Because, like, with fucking Umaga, no one would do it. And I'm like, yeah, fucking... It's right there. <laughs> but overall, another absolutely outstanding match. I think we gave this a nine as well, didn't we, Chris? You gave it a nine. I think it's an eight. Okay. And I believe Garth gave it a nine. I'm, I'm outvoted. I'm not going to argue so, with you. So, yeah. For the sake of one point, I don't think it's. I don't think it's worth arguing. So we'll give it nine. So two matches so far, two nine-star matches. I think this sort of goes to show just the sort of card that we are looking at. And you could be forgiven, perhaps, for looking at um, the card now and thinking, "Ah, it's probably going to get a bit shit. But it didn't. It got better. And this match that's coming up now for the WWE United Kingdom Championship was just incredible. Fucking hell. Just, oh my god. Yeah. It was it was brilliant. So <laughs> match three, Walter 
defeated Pete Dunne, the WWE United Kingdom champion, 685 days into his reign, the longest reign of the current era, uh, in 25 minutes and 40 seconds. Chris, man, what a fucking match. Oh, my God. This is why I've been fucking raving about Walter and Garfield fucking looking to me. Uh... He's just, it makes everything feel like a fight. He makes whoever he's in there with feel like a fight. And when you're in there with Pete Dunne, who makes something feel like a fight, it's just amazing. Just stiff strikes, stiff drops. Like, I've seen people online fucking retrobate calling this like a Jinder Mahal match because it's slow paced. I'm like, no, just because it's slow doesn't mean it's fucking bad. Because, like, I don't want Walton running around the fucking ring. I want him kicking ass, which he was. This match. And the fact. The fact that he kept trying to jump off the rope and failing and then eventually doing it, that was a great little story. He had to throw everything it done to beat him, which opens it up to a rematch. Exactly. The fact that Pete Dunne managed to hit the bitter end on Walter as well, absolute shout out mm-hmm. to him for his strength. Fucking hell. Um, but just getting back to that, people are people are slagging off this yeah, in match. Yeah, in the WrestleTalk TV um, chat, the, the live stream they did, people were saying it felt like a... Jinder um, Mahal or Roman Reigns match. Right, and you've seen the size I did, of Walter, I did, right? I did, I did, yeah, I did specify um, that these people were retrobates. You did, you did, and by the way, excellent use of the word retrobate, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys have seen the size of Walter. He's billed as 297 pounds. If you think that you're going to get some kind of bandido match out of Walter, then that's just, that's you're kidding yourself. He's he's not Jeff Cobb. Exactly. I mean, that's why I like Walter. He's the one big man who's doing big man moves. Literally, it's very much as advertised. Walter chops people. That's that's what he does. And the fact that we had this match, where the problem I had with, like, we went to um, take over Blackpool, take over, and. Yeah. Joe Coffey sort of proved that if Pete Dunne was in a match with someone who wasn't on his level, it was it could be quite plodding. Now, that was never going to be the issue here. And Pete Dunne was with someone who, basically, you could just go, right, let's try this, and Walter would be able to do it. I mean, there was nothing mm-hmm. extravagant. There was no topes, there was no diving through the middle well, ropes. Like, even, like, the powerbomb off of the second rope wasn't pretty. Like, Bully Ray did a prettier powerbomb off the second rope. Like, because Walter would land like someone would actually land. Yeah, absolutely. Like, just small things like that. It looked very much like a fight. You've got Pete Dunne, who is Mm -hmm. fighting for his life. You've got that opening five minutes where, and I'm assuming this is where people are are saying that, oh, it was a bit plodding, it was a bit slow. That opening stretch where you have got Pete Dunne laying into Walter and Walter just laying Pete Dunne out with one chop and then you get to like 23 minutes into the match and Walter is still chopping at the chest of Pete Dunne and Pete Dunne at this point is leaning into the chops and going come on Mm -hmm. hit me again hit me again come on and it was just it was excellent it It was like a New Japan match it It was very much it was very much but in that New Japan style it was very much a Suzuki and Ishii or, you know, dare I say, a Goto mm. sort, of, Stan sort of style. Exactly. Much. Like, especially like that um, lariat from the top rope that Walter did. Just, ugh. Just, have you seen some of the stills from like Walter chopping people? 
Yeah. And their chests are like fucking caving in. It looks like someone's thrown a stone in a lake. Yeah, exactly. Like the ripples will be going on forever. It's like in The Simpsons when Dr. Hibbert's trying to give Homer a fucking house death. But, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and do you know what? I, I absolute props to the commentary team throughout this. The commentary team were absolutely mm-hmm. sensational. Because they replaced Percy show. Jackson with someone who can commentate. Well, yeah, Vic Joseph's brilliant. But during this match, yeah. he, there was the danger of almost overselling Walter and, mm-hmm. you know, almost forgetting that Pete Dunne was in this match. But they did such a good job of selling just how well Pete Dunne was doing to last 25 minutes against Walter. He just kept mm-hmm. kicking out, you know, and you could see the frustration on Walter. The two put on such an excellent storytelling match. And yeah, mm. absolutely. It wasn't a Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa match. Yes, it wasn't a, you know, a ladder match where everything was a spot. Yeah, it wasn't a War Raiders versus Alistair Black and Ricochet. It's never going to be. It's not even a Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle match. It's Variety is the spice of life, Rob. Exactly. If we had just spot fest, spot fest, spot fest, the crowd would be exhausted by the time you got to the main event. Mm. And to be perfectly honest, as me and Chris have both said, because we've both blown our loads about this match, it was a great match. At no point was I looking at my phone going, I'm bored now. At no point was I looking going, this is dragging a bit. And I was with the Pete Dunne Joe Coffee match, and you can attest to that because I was sitting next to you. Um... There were parts where I was like, this is going a fucking long time. This was perfect. Absolutely. Mm. It does does sound like we're shifting on the coffee match. We should point out, we still really like the coffee match. Just, it's not this. This this puts the coffee match in perspective. It does. It does. And I think we should have a look at maybe retrospectively rating that match (laughs) in comparison to some of the matches. I stand by... I do stand by what I gave that match because I, I have rewatched it several times and I do think it's a really enjoyable match. That's seven or several? Like, coffee's... Like, several. Oh, they said seven. I was like, that's a very precise <laughs> amount of times to rewatch a match. Um, but, like, yeah, because both coffee and Walter work similar, not the best, not the same styles and, like, puts it in perspective. Walter's sort of perfect to take this brand forward. I'm giving this match a test. Can't argue with you can't argue with you and yeah. you know uh, the reason well part of the reason i was so shocked when you were talking about how you know people were sort of slagging the match off in certain chats i was like well everything i've seen on twitter was you know people have been going everything from 4.5 to five stars plus for this match you know that mm-hmm. seems to be the overriding is about 4.75 um but this was so much better than I thought it was going to be. The two had such fantastic chemistry together. Um, Pete Dunne has been an absolutely outstanding champion, and you are absolutely right, Chris. Walter is definitely the man to take the brand forward now because I don't, I don't think we're going to see much of Pete Dunne in NXT UK. I, I think, think we'll get one more takeover. I'd be, I'd be surprised if I'm honest. I think we're likely to get his rematch on an NXT UK episode, if we ever get it. Um, I hope, if that happens, though, I hope it happens in Glasgow when I'm going in a couple of weeks. You'll have to let me know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, I'm going to be fucking live um, WhatsApping you throughout the whole fucking thing. I hope so. I'd be very disappointed if you didn't. Um, I'm really looking forward to the chance. We'll get into it in a moment, my friend. Um, 
so we moved on then to the Fatal 4-Way match for the NXT Women's Championship. The event. Well, yeah. With Shayna Baszler, the NXT Women's Champion, uh, defeating Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane to retain after the... Bloody hell. After 15 minutes and 45 seconds. You all right? Sorry. Yeah, so my PS4 turned itself on. Okay. <laughs> that made me panic. <laughs> Apparently that made you throw everything to the ground. <laughs> Shit, bollocks, wank, what's happening? So, are you alright, pal? I'm fine. Okay. Um, I'm not as bad as you are when we're going to get you onto Bianca Belair. But... <sighs> okay, right. I like Bianca Belair. I don't... I love the clap back thing, it's so modern. I feel like trying to wind me up now. And I'm not going to rise to it, Chris. <laughs> I'm not going to rise to it. There was... I'm not going to go to the same extent as Sam Roberts did. Um, she is a good wrestler. She is absolutely a good wrestler. Is she quite at the championship level yet? No, I, I, I wouldn't say so. She's certainly done better than I thought she would have done. But here, for me, she was the one that stuck she out. She was there to take the pin. Yeah. Now, she was there to take the pin. She had some fantastic spots. You yeah. know, the strength the, of that. With the hair against the... Um, Ring apron, I thought that was really fucking cool. That was and ace. The, yeah, the strength when she picked the bow and gave him the psycho drive. It's just, oh my God. Yeah, that was incredible. But I just, I felt, I don't know, there's, there's just a little bit missing. When that comes, she'll be excellent. And I don't know whether it's just the gimmick that annoys me. I think it might just be the gimmick that annoys me because in ring, she's fine, as proved by you the fact. You know, you can't fault her. No, absolutely not. Especially as Shayna she Bates is... was not someone who can carry someone. No. But Shayna Baszler wasn't in this match a lot, to be perfectly honest. She was in it for maybe yeah. three major spots, and that's it. Um, it was very much an Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane match. match. Which, let's not... Let, don't love, get me wrong. I love both these people. Exactly. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love both of them. And I believe I WhatsApped you during the match going, I fucking love both of these people. I, yeah, I, I, was, I was shocked to find out actually that Io Shirai is younger than Kyrie Sane. Yeah, I was surprised by that as well. Um, but I am I am younger than both of them, though, which makes me feel happy at heart. Um, I don't know. I'd, I, so am I. So am I, Rob. Yeah, but you're younger than most things. <laughs> I've got beans in the fucking fridge that are younger than you, uh, older than you. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to rag on Bianca Belair. I'm not. I think it's the gimmick that annoys me. I hate this undefeated thing, especially if she's carrying up... I know, but she's carrying on with it and she's missing out the vital, vital piece of information is that she's not undefeated. I think she, the first match she had, um, the second match she had, she lost because it was against Kairi Sane in the Mae Young Classic. But then then she comes out with, yeah, well, being undefeated is a mindset. No, 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 it's not. No, <laughs> statistically, <laughs> it's not. Imagine if after fucking um, WrestleMania 30, <laughs> Undertaker come out going, nah, I'm not acknowledging that. Well, can you imagine no. if I got fired from my job and then just turned up the next day going, no, 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 no. Being fired is just a state of mind. You, you can't do that. You can't just decide when not, you're defeated. I'm not being or funny, Rob. You're a teacher. You'd probably get arrested. Yeah, if I'm getting... reasons for trespassing. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. Um, I mean, this match was... It was very much, as we've said, spot fests for both Kyrie saying and Naisha. I both got a lot of their shit I in. feel so sorry. For the women, because they keep being put in after like what's obviously going to be match of the night. 
like the last one they were put after um, Ricochet and Gagano, and then at Brooklyn they were after Ricochet and Adam Cole. Just give them a good spot. Yeah, and I think we have got a future woman and future NXT Women's Champion in Io Shirai. I think she's oh, definitely, definitely going to be holding that belt soon. And the fact that she's been doing fucking moonsaults and leather pants is like, oh. That, really are that honestly, her moonsault off. She hit a moonsault off the apron. Not even the fucking mm-hmm. what's it? Not even the bloody um, turnbuckles. Not the not the ring post. She hit it off the apron, and it was picture mm-hmm. perfect. Everything she did was amazing. Her and Kyrie Sane. If you had those two in a match and they main evented a takeover, no one would complain. Well, someone would because people don't because some people just don't have women. But well, um, unless you're oh, it's, yeah. It's full. But the main problem I had with this was I don't think the right woman won. I don't None think... Of us did. We all got this wrong. We did all get this wrong in our predictions, and I'm not only saying this because this ultimately cost me the predictions. Um, <laughs> I am saying it because, you know, I'm, uh, during our predictions episode, episodes one, episode 106, I think, um, I... I went into a lot of detail about why I thought Shayna Baszler would be the next person called up and how she was the only logical person to then be called up. Um, I just, for me, she's beaten everyone on the roster now. Who has she got left to beat now? You know, she's well, now listen, beaten. She hasn't beaten Io one and one I think they're sort of going to try and build that the next day order. Which, also Candice LeRae. She hasn't beaten Candice LeRae. She has beaten Candice LeRae. Not as oh, she did in the million classes. Yeah, that doesn't count. I think it probably does, mate. I think it probably is canon. I mean, Bianca Belair got beaten in the Mayan Classic and she was still undefeated for about undefeated. a year and a half. Undefeated. So. <laughs> Fuck off! It, <laughs> 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 I've never heard you so angry. On, it's just the gimmick. It's not her, it's the gimmick. Sam Roberts can fuck off. It's She's a good wrestler. She's just, I don't know. I think, yeah. Anyway, Shayna Baszler won. Um... I'd give this seven. Um, I I go eight just because of how perfectly done the Kyrie saying Ayushirai. Um, um, she believed he lied. Spot ha- happened. Yeah, you've got Kyrie saying breaking up an Ayushirai pinfall, and then Ayushirai breaks up a Kyrie saying pinfall, and they both sort <laughs> of look at each other. It was ha- it was like fucking Hello Kitty and fucking Kuribo from Media. So it was. Io sold it absolutely brilliantly. Io's look of betrayal yeah. was absolutely amazing. Um, Just bittersweet symphony starts playing. <laughs> yeah. And... Did you not think it was a little bit rushed? I mean, it's a fatal four-way and it was the shortest yeah. match on well, the card. After, after, I'm not going to lie, after watching um, how they went out at the G1 Supercard, not really. You cannot compare this with the G1 Supercard. No, because this was a good match. Um, wow. I, just, I, I, I feel this was a little bit rushed, and I feel that... It was a tad rush. But again, they were put in a death spot, so I feel they sort of had to get a lot in in a very... Like, this is still a relatively long match, because it's, like, it's just a case of the other matches, like, the book ended it with, like, half an hour epics. So Yeah, fair I enough. I think that might be why you think it's so... So... Um, I wanted to say rush, there we go. Yeah. And also they had to go fast and frantic to get the crowd into it because otherwise they just wouldn't care. I just felt the ending came out of nowhere as well. If I'm the ending did come out a bit of nowhere, but that's sort of Shane the Bagel's MO. It is, yeah, I suppose. I mean, 
I'm happy to give it eight. I'm happy to concede that. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't know why I felt it was just, I don't know, something didn't click for me. But it was certainly better than... I think Bianca Belair was better than she was at TakeOver Phoenix and she impressed me at TakeOver Phoenix. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. We then move on to the main event of the night, the two out of three fall match for the NXT Championship with Johnny Gargano defeating Adam Cole two falls to one after 38 minutes and 25 seconds. Just once I want to see a two out of three falls match go 2 nil. <laughs> well, it did once. The Usos defeated someone 2 nil. And oh, it was... yeah, last year, I remember, eh? Um, oh, it's Benjamin and Gable. That was right, and everyone just kind of went, oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> Good point, it is a bit deflating when that happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they were never going to do that to Adam Cole either. He's like the one of the biggest stars in the NXT brand. Um, yeah. Right, let's get this out of the way. Fucking hell, what a match. Oh, my actual God. Like, um, it's not the best two or three falls match ever, because fucking Okada, how many is this? But, um, which I, I feel is just a shadow over everything in wrestling ever, now, nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Like, if there's a match, there's a Okada and Omega, like, even in tag team matches now, there's fucking Okada and Omega did it better. But um, it's like fucking in South Park, Simpsons did it. But, yeah, this is just amazing, apart from um, the crowd were audibly not investing in the first two falls. No, the first fall, especially with um, Adam Cole going mm. over, there was the only I thought Adam real Cole actually pop. played it very smart on the second fall because he tapped out straight away. Yeah, and I think the fall obviously happened and everyone went baby at the end of Adam Cole, but like there was no, I don't know, because the first fall really came out of nowhere because Adam Cole dominated the first, what, 15 minutes of this match, really? Yeah, absolutely. Because after that first fall, then, he went on and everyone thought he was going to get it. Because he hit the last mm. shot again. He hit mm. Brain Busters. He hit absolutely everything on Gargano. I mean, it was obvious once Adam Cole got the first fall, it was like, oh, fuck, Gargano's winning, isn't he? Um, and I suppose in retrospect, looking at his storyline and the story, you know, the overarching story, it, it makes more sense for Johnny Gargano to come out on top. Um, it was just... It, it, I can't, I can't put into words just how enjoyable this match is. The storytelling oh, of this match, odd callbacks, like some of these were obviously meant to sort of the Champa and Gagano, but Adam Cole still played his role perfectly. Like, because it did make a great little narrative of Adam Cole is relatively new to NXT, um, has been and has been done super well. Gagano's not um, has been around for years and years, has never quite reached that top thing, and Adam Cole wants to play spoiler to what he thinks shouldn't even be a story. Yeah. Just the fact that we built that in like two weeks is amazing. There was a moment, there's a moment where Johnny Gargano gets up and you can almost see that written on his face. I've been yeah. here for so long. I have been so close so many times. You are not taking this thing, from me. Here's the thing about wrestling. It's the one story um, storytelling medium that happens in our world and is in real time. So, like, when we move forward a week, Johnny Gargano moves forward a week. He ch he changes as you go along. And when well done, that is absolutely fucking perfect. Like, this Johnny Gargano story, story I've been following Johnny Gargano for four years, not four seasons. So, like, in, say, Doctor Who, where, um, sure, you've been following it for, what, 15 years it's been on now, but it, the Doctor's age about a thousand years. So, that 
that makes you super invested, which is why like I was actually super fucking emotional when Johnny won Clevin Fox because he's been my fucking favorite since he got properly signed. The man is a wrestling machine. Now, also oh, CXT original. <laughs> um, it, this is going to get five stars from Mel. Oh, so there's yeah. just there's there's no doubt about it. The storytelling, the spots. We could again, we say this quite a lot on that, especially with Johnny Gargano matches. But we could sit and list all the spots for this match. But it, we, I don't feel like we'd do it justice. The best thing I can no. compare it to is the only Gargano match really that it compares to is maybe the storytelling of. Imagine the Olmus Gargano match from Takeover Philadelphia, but if Gargano had won. <laughs> That's basically the storyline that they used. A, what, this is a very New Japan move. They didn't take the first great opportunity or even the second great opportunity to give Gargano the championship. They waited and pulled the trigger at the perfect time. Which is why NXT is so fucking good. Yeah, the storyline of what Gargano has had to go through to eventually ascend to the top and actually get that championship is brilliant. Almost One... cost him his wife, almost cost him everything. Well, exactly, yeah. I'm not a massive fan of the fact that Candice LeRae seems to have been relegated to Johnny Gargano's wife. I, I was really worried about what's going to happen when she got involved last year because she's done nothing. Even the theme song's fucking shit. Yeah, I just... <laughs> Considering she is so good on her own merit in the ring, and you know, even after Johnny Gargano got signed, she did so much good stuff as part of the World's Cutest mm-hmm. Tag Team, and you know, even her own individual stuff. Have you seen the stuff she did at PWG? This is years and years ago now, but PWG 11 with Joey Ryan against the Young Bucks. Is this where she is just fucking covered in yeah. blood? Like, it's one of those things where, like, um, evil eats and each underground. She got over to being so tough. She because you look at kind of the way and it's like, oh, you're you're not tough. Oh fuck, actually, yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of woman that I want to see. I don't want to see you know Johnny Gargano's wife lifting his arm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm, I'm see very that. happy with her to come out for the for stuff like this. But she's been so into trying to be done this story that she hasn't had her own. She yeah she hasn't even had a um, fucking story in NXT yet. No, she hasn't. She had. She uh, was very briefly. Yeah, she was very briefly involved in the Shayna Baszler stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that well, really wasn't fucking everybody. Exactly, everyone was. So I don't know. It's a very very small point on what is an absolutely outstanding match. It um, doesn't actually affect the match. And, no, um, not in any way. I, what I love is Johnny Gargano's family was there, but he wasn't in the front row because so he didn't advertise it. So it's like, oh, he's obviously winning. So he had to like walk halfway up the stadium to fucking. Yeah, family. but that was funny. that was also really really good. Just Gargano in the crowd. It was his people. It's his NXT, as he said in the go home show. And you know, you actually felt like, yeah, it is your NXT. I mean, Bobby Roode used to say it was his NXT, but he never really believed it. Whereas Gargano, you know, he's been there for so long now. Yeah, he's, 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 it's the Sami Zayn story. It is. He actually had a nice ending. Exactly. You know, there was no Tomasa Champa coming out and ruining it for him. Um, so came out, gave him a hug. Exactly. It was really nice. So, just a really feel-good, happy ending to the show, and, you know, the, I, I think we're in agreement this was 10 stars, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no way this couldn't be. Um, which means that I think Gargano, genuinely, I did some uh, little bit of data research, because I'm a nerd, um, Gargano is the highest rated wrestler, um, aside from Kazuchika Okada. Of... He's, over, he's over Omega. Yes. Even after the G one. Even after the G one, because yeah, wow. we haven't actually got all the um we haven't actually got <laughs> all the ratings down from the G one. Um I've only got the ones that we gave ten stars to, so I, can, I I do not want to go through the whole We're not G1. going through the whole G one. 
I'm I'm not listening to your voice for God knows how long. Um, no, don't you like my voice, I love you. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean that you've never turned this person to you. <laughs> um, that brings to an end NXT Takeover New York, and Jesus Christ, oh, what a show! What a great, great the show! Beach Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, by miles. I didn't think anything would. I honestly didn't think anything could top Wrestle Kingdom this year. This, this beat it, and it beat it comfortably. Yeah, there was just like I don't see anything topping this, and if something tops this, it would be the best wrestling card of all time. Yeah, I mean this. There were five matches, of they were all different. Everything gave you know so, just something that had you invested in it. Nothing was bloated. Like everything had the perfect amount of time. Yeah, exactly. And that was that is the issue so often that it's just that's that's so long or oh, they haven't quite given it enough time. And you know, I I mentioned on that, that note, but G one supercard. Well, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. The, the like I said, the only issue with the women's match for me was the fact that it hadn't quite gone long enough, and I felt like the ending would come out of nowhere. But you know, your point was was valid. Um, so yeah, what an excellent show buzzing off my tits after watching that to get into the G1 Supercard. Um, so, so, the G1 Supercard, Chris. Um, Madison Square Garden uh, from Saturday yeah. night, the 6th of That's April. an hour later than what Rob thought. Yeah, an hour later than what I thought, which was, uh, which was I, nice. I probably should have warned you about that because that's always been the case. We're always an hour out. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, people were very, 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 very excited for this. Obviously, it's the first time a wrestling company that isn't the WWE has wrestled in Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden, you know, I don't really need to add the fact that it is is the wrestling venue in America and probably the world. Um, And we had two very different shows, in my opinion. We had the Ring of Honor G1 Supercard, and we had the New Japan G1 Supercard. And I've got a feeling that a lot of people felt the same. Um, And for me, now I know we have very, very, very differing points of view on this opening bout. So the pre-show started rumble. with the 30-man on a rumble. I'm not going to lie, I was slightly drunk by the time the rumble started. Well, yeah, well, I was exhausted because for me, it should have started an hour ago. But, you know, anyway, so it was announced not long before the show, actually, that um, the winner of this would receive a future Ring of Honor World Championship shot, which is mm. brilliant. And basically, this was everyone they couldn't already fit on the card. So we got everyone from Suzuki to Shingo to Rapongi 3K. On, on the thing of Suzuki, have you watched anything from Bloodsport? I haven't. I know he broke Will Ospreay's Holy nose. That was like, Bloodsport. Was that not Bloodsport? I assumed it was Bloodsport. No, Bloodsport was um, Suzuki versus Josh Barnett. Was it a good match? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Try Bloodsport was off. just so... It's, it's a fucking... It's an MMA... It's like properly like shoot style um, stuff. And it's great. Gresham was on there. Thatcher was on there. Just all the people you'd want in this sort of thing. And... Like, it's very different from anything else. I I I I recommend you at least watch the Barnett Suzuki match. Oh well, I I love me some Suzuki. Um, we all do. Yeah, exactly. 
So, you know, we, and then we also had, you know, you've got TKO Ryan, uh, Vinny Marcellia, Tracy Williams, Jonathan Gresham. We got Delirious for some reason. I heard your voice audibly go down um, when you said um, the kingdom names and then right, went right the fuck back up when you said Gresham. Well, yeah. And then Ishii, Liger, and surprise of the night. Oh, yeah. At number I, 30, I the great Muta, and what a reception he got. Oh yeah, I'm surprised because like fucking, he's not exactly in the best stead in New Japan because he left to start his own company, which is a process that almost killed all Japan. So it would have scared them. Well, yeah, exactly. But, but massively, massively over as you would expect. Um, you know. Now, let me get all this out before you get on your high horse. For me, like I, like I can have a high horse. I'm in horse. Exactly. Go on. For me. This was dull. Okay? For me, I couldn't name you one great exchange in this match. For me, I couldn't tell you... You know, if I wasn't looking at the the ring entrance now, I couldn't tell you half the card. And I watched it today. Now... That is fair. Like I think, I think alcohol was a big influence in me enjoying this match because I was po- like I popped hard for shit. So exactly, and then booed yell because he sucks. I mean, if you look at who came in, and this is not just the New Japan, uh, sorry, the Ring of Honor side. This goes for the New Japan side as well. Um, but I felt there was spots wasted, and just stuff didn't happen. I mean, Shingo was eliminated almost immediately. What what the fuck? Mm. This is a man who hasn't been submitted or pinned. Um, Ishii I love was... the Cabana Yano bit. Yes, I love that. Is the one thing I will say. I did love the Cabana and Yano bit. I did really, I really Adam enjoy that. Because no one could, un- no one could understand him. And every time they said Cabana's name, he just cheered and said "Go go." Do you know what though? Genuinely, he's got the uh, the charisma to pull it off. I don't care. Yeah. He's got the. It's not as bad as um, Wrestle Kingdom Ten. They had Yoshi Tatsu on commentary for the whole match. Yeah, and they kept uh, cutting to him and asking questions, and he just kind of went. Um, yes. I hate, no, it just cuts to him. It's like, I hate the Bullet Club. It's good for you, Yoshi. <laughs> Fuck Bullet Club. Um, now, the major, the major, major, major issue I had here, aside from the fact that they dubbed over the most random songs... Um, yeah, why did, but why do they not have the rights to Suzuki's theme? But then they had all the rights when we got to the main show. <laughs> they had all the rights in the main show, but yet on this, they didn't have it for Suzuki, they didn't have it for Liger... Um, they didn't have it for uh, Taguchi. No, that's what, they only had it for Ishii for some fucking reason. Ishii and Gota. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Farley. They had it for quite a but. I mean, come on. Well, too bad, because Ring of Honor will have the bullet club thing. But I don't understand how you can't... It's streamed on New Japan World. I know. And they had the New Japan World um, due to copyright issues logo, so it's a New Japan thing. Bizarre. Um, little caveat here. Uh, at twenty nine, Haku entered, and my oh, girlfriend. I, I know my girlfriend walked in at this point and went, "Bloody hell, how old he?" I was like, "That's not the point." And at that point, I believe it was Colt Cabana said, uh, "No, it wasn't Colt. He was in the ring. It must have been Rickabani." Said that um, Haku, the most dangerous man in the world, and as he said that, Haku slipped and nearly fell over. Um, which my girlfriend went, "Well, that's bullshit, isn't it?" You know, just it, it sort of took any credibility away from him whatsoever. Um, I don't know. I, just, I didn't enjoy this at all. Um, it went 42 minutes and it was about 20 minutes too long. 
Um, for God's sake, one of the most powerful men in this was uh, Brian Millenass, for God's sake. They, they had really sporadic intervals between entrances. Yeah, there was no consistency at all. But not only that, you went... At one point, they were 16 entrants in, and only one mm. person had been eliminated. Yeah, and it was Shingo. No, it was uh, Beer City Bruiser. Oh, right. to be fair, though, you want Beer City Bruiser in there for a long time. I know, but I just I don't understand. Like, his, I, don't... I, I, I haven't heard his theme, though. His theme's amazing. Uh, the, I, right, I will say this now. Shaim <laughs> beer. Ali. Beer. Beer. Shaim Ali and his tag team, I can't remember what they're called. What they're called. Um, um, Cast. That's the one. Best theme. Absolutely amazing. I'm going to Google that in a minute because it's absolutely fucking sensational. Um, for me, the MVP was Suzuki. He lasted from number two to, I think, pretty much the very, very end. Basically the end. Um, uh, we then had Liger and well, Kenny Muta. King lasted to the very, very end. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. Liger and Muta facing off against the Kingdom, which for me, because the Kingdom was so universally hated by everyone, this was perfect. Yeah, and this it was is like when this is like at the end of the twenty sixteen, no seventeen, eighteen Rumble with where Nakamura. you had like the two thousand the two thousand two crew and the two thousand yeah sixteen <laughs> crew. It's quite fun. Um, and at this point, I was like, "Well, Liger's got to win here." So they get rid of the Kingdom and brilliant, and then Kenny King comes in, eliminates both the Muta and Liger, and everyone's just like, "What the fuck? Yeah, why?" Kenny King's not looking in a good way either. He looks pretty shit. Well, he spent a good... Uh, I'm not joking, he spent half an hour out of the ring. He, he Jerry Lawler this match. It was the most pointless, deflating... Why do it on the pre-show as well? They basically want a reason to give Kenny King a title match on a house show. That's basically all they want. It was, it was the most deflating thing I've ever seen. And then we gave Liger what seemed a very, very rushed thank you, which... If you want to do that, have him fucking win. Have him win it. It makes like, so much fucking, more sense. Have the champion come over for Dominion. Just, it makes... I just, I don't understand the logistics of Kenny King, of all people, winning it. If you're going to have Liger go to the end, have him win it. If you're not going to have him win it, don't have him at the end. Don't swerve us for absolutely yeah. no reason. It's fine then, swerving us if he wasn't like, retiring. Yeah, and I'm also annoyed that Suzuki never got, not uh, Mila never got to do a shining wizard. The, that's, that's, that's nice. There's quite a There's a couple of things I'm annoyed about about this rumble. The yeah. fact that Jonathan Gresham was in the, it the did more nothing. We talk about, the more that we talk about this rumble, the more I don't like it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm starting to agree with you. It was, I don't know. I just, I didn't enjoy it and I, um, yeah. Ridiculous. Anyway, so ultimately, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find it now. Um, I would give this. I think I gave it a six. I'd go for six because rumbles are always just inherently fun because of the entrances. So six. Yeah. Like Muta makes this a six. Yeah. Although if it didn't have Muta, it would be a five. Simple as yeah. that. Um. So we then move on to the main card. Um. And we open with. One of the matches I was most excited about with a winner-takes-all match for both the Never Openweight and the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Oh, I know. Damn it. With Jeff Cobb defeating Will Ospreay in 12 minutes and 52 seconds with a tour of the islands. And fucking hell, 
what a tour of the islands it was. From the fucking top rope. Jesus Christ, Osprey sold that like an absolute bastard. It was brilliant. Osprey is getting is really coming to his own as a seller. Honestly, this match was so much fun to watch. Twelve minutes mm. and fifty-two seconds. This went. This needed more time. And like, it, like if this had gone another five minutes, this could have been an all-time classic. Yeah, this was the two had such great chemistry. These two had just everything they did. Osprey with the early dominance, with his high flying stuff, and then his power later on. Jeff Cobb just the fact that the man is so athletic despite the mm. size he is, and you know just the stuff from the second rope, the second rope tour of the islands, the fact that he was pulling Will Ospreay up into that power, but it was just, everything was absolutely fantastic. I couldn't pick a fault for this match. It was excellent, apart from the fact that I wanted it to go longer. It, it suffered from the same as Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi. I wanted it to go longer because, you know, yeah, this um, was I, the I first match. I wouldn't say this was quite as good as the Ibushi match. Oh no, it wasn't as good as the Ibushi match, but it suffered from the same thing. I wanted yeah, it to this would go have been longer. Literally, another five minutes, a couple more big spots, this would have been a 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, easily. And the fact that the crowd were chanting, this is awesome, and it was the first match. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. a great, really, really enjoyable little bit of wrestling. I was to for the show, but then the Ring of Honor section happened. Well, uh, yeah, I think we should get into that in a minute. Um, I mean, first of all, I think it's fair to give this an eight, I would say. It's, it's absolutely um, some great stuff. Like, a lot of these stuff were just spots they do, but because these two work so well together, it was really good. Um, teasing the Stormbreaker, yeah. really good. But teased Stormbreaker from the top actually had me fooled for a second before I started thinking. I was like, no, wait, how the fuck would he actually pull that off without breaking someone's neck? But, yeah, just amazing, absolutely. Oh, the Ozcutter out of nowhere, like, <laughs> he like Cobb just put him on the apron and then um, turned back when he was like, "Okay, I've got her." Great it's stuff. such an impactful move off the second rope, isn't it? Really is. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cobb took some fucking terrifying bumps on his neck. Oh, the fact that he took um, managed to go over—I know I shouldn't be surprised because he does it on Lucha Underground all the time. But but the fact that he went over for the Spanish flag just always amazes me. Like yeah. the fact that he can do half a shit. Like when I saw him live, I couldn't quite believe it. Like, like I've seen so many matches of him before. It's baffling. So, such such a good fun little opener. And like you said, I was like, if this sets the tone for the show, fucking hell, we are on for an absolute, just a an crazy night. Mm. Then we had Rush defeating Dalton Castle in fifteen seconds. Right, all right, okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you a break because you're about to shout, so I'm going to say some things I like. I really like Totten Castle's entrance. I thought it was great. I liked how after that you just had Rush coming out, just like, I don't need this flamboyant time rush. And how you calm down? Did I calm you down? Your analysis lasted longer than the match. <laughs> I like the amount of voice Totten Castle had. I was actually talking to my friend and I was explaining to her the concept of the boys and she was like, are these people paid? I'm like, I really hope they're paid because otherwise this is just slavery. But, um, oh, it's not Basically, <laughs> Rush got Dalton Castle in the corner, running drop kick, pinned, one, two, three. What a does waste Rush of everyone's the best time. Does Rush have the best um, drop kick in the corners? I hear drop kick and I can't look past the card. No, but like he didn't do it in the corner much. Doesn't matter. It's a drop kick. A card is better. 
I'm sorry, the man stops time when he jumps off the top rope. He physically stops time. It's like the Prince of Persia. He does physically stop time. (laughs) We don't get enough Prince of Persia uh, references. Um, But yeah, it was just a complete waste of time. Dalton Castle went mental afterwards and destroyed both Boy 1 and Boy 2. That that legitimately broke my heart, Rob. That legitimately broke my heart. You do not treat your boys like that. I can't even begin to describe how little of a fuck I give. Um, <laughs> this is... Oh, fun fact. My friend's boyfriend played one of Dalton Castle's boys when he came to Edinburgh. Really? Yeah, because um, he was a trainee wrestler at Reckless Intent and be used them for like, um, stage crew at Discovery shows and Dalton Castle came to Discovery and he played one of the boys. Oh, okay. Did he get squashed in 15 seconds? Um, no. He did he, here. I think he beat... He probably beat... <laughs> I'm trying to bring positive there, Rob. It's a two-star match, Chris. I, I, I don't think this is long enough to rate, to be honest with you. It's a dud, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's, I'm not going to say a dud, because it was exciting. When, like, when something like this happened by surprise, it is exciting. It's made Russell like a million dollars, and it's given Dalton Castle a redemp- um, more, more steam for his redemption act. So to be honest, I don't think this is overall a bad thing for either man. I think you're being a bit too angry. I'm giving it one, and that's where it's staying. <laughs> okay, um, I, I, I'm not. Giving, I'm not saying it was a good match. I'm just saying in terms of story, there's a lot of potential here. It's a one-star match, Chris. Stop trying to change my mind. Um, so I thought, okay, that's fine. It was a match I wasn't really looking forward to anyway, and it's over quickly. Look at the positives. Then Mayu Iwatani came out, and I was like, fucking get in this woman. Oh my god, she's incredible. <laughs> I've watched some of the stardom work. She's just absolutely amazing. Her stuff with like, her, like I was going to get into stardom and then Irshara last, and I'm like, oh, she's the only one I really know, so I'm not going to have a good point. I think I'll get into her now because she's fucking great. She's absolutely outstanding. Her stuff with um, Kyrie Sane and with Irshara in that company is absolutely amazing. She continues to do absolutely outstanding work. Um, and then that was where the goodness <laughs> ended because. Kelly fucking Clark. Can I take the rant on this one? Of course. Please feel free, because I've got a headache. Jesus Christ, she almost dropped Iratani on her head. Did you see that? Yes. She picks her up and almost drops her on her fucking head. And then immediately after, fucking couldn't take herself over for a fucking poison rana. If you can't take a poison rana, don't try... It's like when Kane did the pedigree and just lands on his knee. Don't fucking take the move if you're not going to take the fucking move. And, like, Kelly Clark went in the face here as well, isn't she? She's meant to be a face. Like an honourable face, she's coming, but she's like the MMA asshole with the entourage, and like that's not a face move. Like, and you're not like, and she fucking bitches so much on Twitter, and it's like fucking train mob because you're shit. This was not a good match. Yeah, this was a really was not a good match. It plodded. Kelly Klein is so botchy. It wasn't even that. I think it was the fact that it was worked at. You know, no disrespect at all, but it was worked at a... A Kelly Klein pace. A Kelly Klein pace, exactly. When you've got someone who is as quick, as seamless, and as just downright excellent as Mayu Otani is, and then... I saw Sumi Sakai ringside. I'm like, why can't it be Otani versus um, Sumi Sakai? And then for some reason, after, like, I'm skipping ahead, because there's actually nothing worth talking about in the match itself. Um, so, I can, so Kelly Klein wins. Okay. And then the beautiful people come out, and Mandy Leon turns teal. Because yeah, why not? And did you hear the reaction to the beautiful people? No, that's because there was none. There wasn't one. 
honestly, you know, it was the Velvet? most... Uh, Chris, right. Have you seen Velvet Sky's Twitter? She searches her name and um, on Twitter and goes after people who aren't even tagging it, to, who are like criticising it. It's like, fucking become better if you don't want people criticising you. Stop searching your name on Twitter. Just uh, This is MSG, right? This is Madison Square yeah. Garden. I understand the need to debut people, you know, create a buzz. Yeah. This is the beautiful people. They haven't been relevant since 2010. And good, there's one good person in the beautiful people who is Madison Rain, and she's in TNA. So. It just, it makes... It she makes... left your division because... Do Ring of Honor has the, does Ring of Honor have the weakest women's division in, of, like, all the major players? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a signed thing. And, like, if it wasn't for the people from Stardom, this division would be a joke. Well, if you look like, at... You've lost Neil Dashwood. You've lost, you've lost all your good players. Like, when Mandy Leon and Kelly Klein are your hot few. Yeah, because it'll be interesting to see if Iwatani stays now that she's lost the title. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Yeah, I don't think she's going to be on a full-time basis. No. It's so sad. But that means no, that your no, top want to know four... How sh- your top know how four shit, women... Um, the division is. Um, when they came to Edinburgh last time, well, how shit the division is. When the last came to Edinburgh, they just used Kaylee Ray and Viper, who aren't even part of the division, but like, it's a better match than anyone in the division could do. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they've got, you've said they've released Tennille Dashwood, um, which, mm. you know, if she's probably going to be going to All Elite soon. Um, they've got no uh, Madison Rain out of the beautiful people. Madison Rain has now gone anyway. Um, Brandy Rhodes has obviously gone now as well. They had um, what's the name? Um, Diana Perazzo and she's gone. She's now in and NXT. Because your division, it's because your division's a joke. It wasn't a good match. The culmination of this whole the beautiful people have now debuted. They what made me laugh was they when Mandy Leon, who had been on commentary previously, ran down to the ring in heels. Fair play. Um, came down. They attacked. Kelly Klein. Then they wrote this anarchy A on her head in lipstick as though that was supposed to mean something and everyone no, just kind of went... And then it's like, oh, it's the yellow. What the fuck is that? And then they made their way up to the this stage. The riot squad. Yeah, and then they sort of had the thing of the allure, that's apparently now what they're called. But why do it that way round? Yeah. Nobody yeah. understood what the A meant. And like and people and like it doesn't make sense because they're not contracted. How do they get that on the side? Exactly. That, well, who's it made me laugh? Ian Riccoboni. How on earth did Velvet Sky get in? Well, she's married to Bully Can, Ray, mate. So you yeah. know that's probably why. I, I do love um, how like but Ian Riccoboni is just better than um, Kevin Kelly. I, uh, I'd say they're on par. No, c- c- no, because here's the thing. He actually calls moves and he doesn't do the oh and fucking um, Kevin Kelly was acting like that is a gimmick gimmick that people like no no one likes that gimmick. <laughs> Calm down, Chris. Got so many more matches we need to cover yet. Um, oh, we'll go on to Kevin Kelly later. Exactly. So earlier on in the night, um, Juice Robinson had been uh, attacked in the dressing room. Um, and then an oddly bu- and a bully ray shaped figure left the locker room, and we were like, "Who could it be?" Yeah, at no point did they ever once go. It's probably bully ray, that person he's got a match with late. Anyway, so <laughs> <clears throat> we get to this match, and the bloke who has created the official theme song for the G One Supercard, who was called 
Megaran. Megaran. Thank you to my hip-hop expert, Chris. Um, and he comes down, really badly lip-syncs the, the theme song. Bully Ray comes down, and then the two of them start a fight, and then he be leaves. Fair, at least Meg- Mega Man didn't actually get in any offense. He tried to be play the tough guy and got beaten up. So, like, he didn't hurt Bully Ray. Um, Bully Ray's credibility, any. No, I'd, I'd say this match probably did, though. <laughs> um... So basically, okay, no. Can I just quickly tell the story here? So, like, Juice isn't coming out. It's like, oh, this is so an open challenge. And like, you were watching this like earlier today. Yes, I was. And I got a message and got a message of WhatsApp going, um, "It better not be Flip." Two minutes later, oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, they'll <laughs> give me the biggest laugh all weekend. Honestly, as soon as they said, so Juice Robinson isn't answering the open challenge. I was like, I bet it's fucking Flip. Please don't be Flip Gordon. And then Flip's theme tune played, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I instantly didn't care about this match. So Flip, and Flip hasn't learned the fundamentals in like two, three months he's had off. Well then, not, oh, not only that, we then had two minutes of this match before Shane Taylor and Silas Young enter. They start beating down Flip Gordon. And then Juice Robinson, who is absolutely fine after fine. all this bullshit, along with Mark Haskins, who, yay, Mark Haskins, they come out and go, we're going to make this a six on a three on three street fight. Before we shit on this match, did you see um, Mark Askin's Instagram post? No, I didn't. It was, um, oh, I just wrestled, I just wrestled, um, fulfilled my dream of wrestling in front of 25 people at Madison Square Garden. What do you guys do tonight? And then the sticky Haskins, his wife and me just went, oh, I was getting drunk and crying because my husband's in the ring at Madison Square Garden. I'm like, oh, that's fucking adorable. Aww. Okay, now we, we can now proceed to shit. To be fair, Haskins was the highlight of this match. Haskins was the highlight of this match, followed very closely by the shots Flip Gordon took to his back Aww. with... The kendo sticks. I, I went. Jesus Christ. That second one, and when he lined up for Bully Ray to hit him, and you could see the welts on his back, and the fact that they were already turning purple, I was like, fucking hell. I mean, Jesus Christ. Um. Anyway, this match, literally nothing of any note whatsoever happened, despite the fact that it was a street fight. You had a little bit of interchange between Haskins and Silas Young, but I don't care. Shane Taylor proceeded to be there and and do nothing, despite his size and presence. Bully Ray remained vaguely entertaining. Uh, Juice Robinson, he's he's this isn't his style like at all. No. I don't understand why he was the person who answered the Street Fight Challenge when you've got fucking Suzuki on the fucking on a rumble. Um, at no point did they mention that. G- that um, Juice Robinson is the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Not once. Wasn't even wearing it. Wasn't wearing it. Didn't care about it. Um, this match went 15 minutes and one second. Just bear that in mind for a minute. This went 15 minutes and one second. And I don't remember more than two spots in this match. It was pointless. It was a clusterfuck. And I hated it. Five stars. It, it, and that's being kind. It is an absolute shame. But like the most brutal thing to happen during this was Dash Wilder knocking out someone who tried to tap his right hand. Oh my God. Just, just incredible. That punch, that sneaky ass punch, is brilliant. The, the, how quickly people ran to that ring was so impressive. Like as soon as the guy got in, the new day was on him, and fucking, like the new day weren't even punching him. He was just getting fucking brought out of that. It's actually really interesting to watch. But also, what the fuck? Like he was wearing a fucking rasta hat as well. 
Oh, he's high as fuck, wasn't he, obviously. But what oh. made me laugh was, if you're this person, so basically, for anyone who didn't, we're going to take just take a short break from the G1 Supercard, because fucking hell, I need a break from the G1 Supercard. Um, basically, during Bret Hart's induction speech, and obviously he was with Natalia, because obviously Jim Nadhart, unfortunately, no longer with us, and the Hart Foundation were being inducted, I thought it was a really nice touch for Natalia to be in there, to be perfectly honest. Um, Bret Hart was giving his speech, and some, for lack of a better word, cunt, decides that he is going to try and tackle Bret Hart. Bret Hart, who has had a stroke. A 60-year-old a stroke victim who's recovering from cancer. Exactly. There's nothing this man hasn't gone through, and this cunt decides he's going to... He's basically... Looking at his Twitter, he is a wannabe MMA fighter. He's left his career oh, he has to... Oh, Twitter? Be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach something, I believe his name is. Check him out. Hey, you can Google his name. Please send me this after the podcast. Oh, I will do. Um, is it basically he's given up his career to concentrate on his MMA fighting or something along those lines? Um, there's loads and loads of pictures of his Twitter on Facebook. Find them; it's hilarious. Um, I think Garth would. I think Garth would really would beat him up just because he put his hand in Bret Hart. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, this this happened, and literally the moment Bret Hart hits the canvas, the new day are there. Straight yeah, the away, there, and then like Mavericks in there, and fucking Ronda Rousey's boyfriend, and Dash Wilder. Just like it's amazing how like no one around the ring thought I'm going to sit this out. Everyone bum rushed in. Yeah, but it was actually really did, nice. Did you see. see who was first in? Um, not quite. Who? Shane O'Mac. As the oh, guy yeah, went fucking... to tackle Brett, Shane O'Mac was already getting into the ring, so he'd obviously it's seen this guy serious. get up. Security useless, Yeah, what the fuck were they doing? But what makes me laugh is, <laughs> if you're this guy, you've tackled Bret Hart to the ground, mm. at, w- at some point you've got to, like, look up. Because at mm. that point, coming towards you are Ronda Rousey's MMA fighter husband. You've got The New Day, who have got Big E in them. You've then got Big Drew e, and then fucking like McIntyre. McIntyre. And um, then Dash Wilder, who looks like a geography teacher, but can apparently throw a fucking punch. Drew, Dash Wilder, who looked pissed. It was brilliant. And just an absolute whole host of other wrestlers came at him. And I was I was talking to my girlfriend about this. And I said, I know you don't really care about wrestling, but this has happened. And her first reaction was, so he's attacked someone in a hall full of wrestlers. Yeah. People who are so muscly they can't find suits to fit them. It it would have been less dangerous fucking swimming through the Amazon River with a fucking cut nipple. Exactly. I mean, for fuck's sake. I mean, just just the sheer sight of... Is his name Travis Brown? I don't know. Ronda Rousey's husband? Oh, Ronda... Oh, I'm going to give you the same response. I don't know his fucking name. Okay, and um, and Drew McIntyre. Just the, just the sight of seeing those two walking towards you, like, fuck it, I done fucked up. I'd, I'd be doing, like, if it was just in a fucking... Like, I've had Drew McIntyre walk past me at events, and I'm just like, I really want to say hi, but also I'm very fucking intimidated right now. Yeah, and he didn't run either. He walked, which is so much more intimidating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I'll be amazed... I mean, there's pictures going round of this bloke with bruises all over his face. That's not him. Um, but I'd I'd love to see how much of a state that bloke was in after those wrestles had finished with him because... Yeah, I heard someone go, oh, Dash Wild. Like, also, Heath Slayer got stuff and it's like, oh, Dash Wild and Heath Slayer are going to be um, fired. I'm like, no, give him a fucking Rennies. Yeah, 100%. Because 
from from what I saw anyway, the the uh, the new day covered Brett to stop people getting mm. to him, and then managed to pull him away, and then they went to go and check on Natalia, didn't they? Yeah, I like how they were, well, I do like how Natalia just going, well, <laughs> fuck my life, I guess. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> I fully believe Natalia could have beat that as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, whoever got there first would have absolutely battered that yeah. bloke. I don't give a shit if he's MMA trained or whatever. You don't... You just don't do that. I don't care who you are. You're a fucking idiot. Um, I don't know. I don't know what what, he's, what what does he even achieve? Like, even if he doesn't get beaten up for all these big burly men, what does he achieve? Oh, Lord knows. He's a... Like, because he looks weak now. Like he's not gonna. This isn't gonna get him booked. Like his name isn't now associated with something good, and like it's not even like Bret Hart's a hated heel right now. No, unless true. he's really just not. Unless he's just really not over NWO two thousand. I don't know what the issue he's is. He's just a really big Shawn Michaels mark. <laughs> Poor lad. Um, take the off there, guy. Anyway. So we should probably get back to the G one supercard. We talked about we talked, that went on longer than Dalton Castle. It really did. It really <laughs> did. Um, we then moved on to the three way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship with Dragon Lee taking the victory over the champion Taiji Shimori and Bandido in I eight really minutes thought, and fifty four seconds. I really thought Taka was coming out. I thought we were going to get a rumor. Dragon Lee was even wearing the same gear. From when he broke um, Hiromu's He neck. performed some of the same moves. Yeah, well, but he doesn't exactly have the deepest moveset. Yeah, like no, a, true. Yeah, the pretty standard luchador moveset. Do you know what? But, though? This match was fucking great. Ooh, just like better than Jurassic Kingdom one, definitely. Um, is this the best junior? No, I, th- I say I prefer the other one, but this was really good. This was an excellent match. Bandido, his stock in New Japan must have been raised tenfold after this showing. Yeah, I just love when he um, did his um, like world strongest um, Spanish fly. I don't know what it's called, and this Cabana shouting. That's not a real move. <laughs> the best commentary call of the night. That's not a <laughs> real move. What, I don't know what to call that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's weird because like Ishimori is very much not a player here. He was very secondary. Very yeah. secondary. And Which is sad. To be perfectly honest, that counts as well for the match that we're going to talk about in a minute, the tag match, because there was two teams in that match that were like completely irrelevant. Um, yeah. But yeah, this match, absolutely amazing. It was spot after spot after spot. It was frenetic. It was absolute chaos. Um, it was very like, much a Dragon Lee versus Bandido match, but do you know what? I'm okay with that. Ishimori Dige's licks in here at Dragon Lee with the bloody cross. Um, we did have Bandido hitting that move from the top rope where he had both Ishimori and Lee on his shoulders, which, you know, elicited that great call. That's not even a real move. Dragon Lee performed this absolutely stunning Hurricane Rana where he ran from inside the ring, leapt the ropes, and hit um, Bandido with a Hurricane Rana off of the apron. That a lot of was... people the only other, I've only seen one other people, like, Rey Mysterio tried that and, like, fucked it. The only other person I see who can do that is Grand Metal Lee. It's a it's just, it's a stunning move, and he performed it so beautifully. Um, if Bandido is an investor, CV Juniors after this, nothing will get him into New Japan. Oh, and how over was he? Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's especially like, if someone's stock was raised by All In, it was Bandido. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This man is incredible. This man is a talent, 
And the sooner we get him into New Japan, the better. I mean, he's made no secret of the fact that he has signed with Ring of Honor because obviously he wants to be exposed in America, but he wants to have doors open to him for New Japan, which, you know, 100% makes sense. Um, Dragon Lee obviously won with the Dragon... Is it the Dragon Driver? I believe the move is. Very, very smooth yeah. move. Really like it. I don't know. <clears throat> um, ultimately, yeah, very... It's not a little bit convoluted, but, you know... Yeah, but it's Lucha Libre, so. isn't it? Everything's a little bit convoluted. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they went with Dragon Lee to win here. Um, I think that pretty much sets up and, you know, we're definitely getting Hiromu back very, very shortly. I'm very surprised Hiromu never turned up. I thought that was dead set going to happen. Yeah. Like, as soon as he won, I'm like, oh, God, Hiromu, Hiromu, because I really needed to pee at the time. And I was like, I'm going to hold on to Hiromu. And then let's, they cut to the conversation. I'm like, well, fuck my life. I'm going to go pee. So. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you for that story. Thank you for that little caveat of your toilet habits. Please tell, please alert me to any other points you had a piss during this as well. Um... I mean, I was drinking quite a lot. It was quite. It was between every match. Okay. Well, please don't tell me between every match. Um, I'd give this eight just because it went such a short amount of time. If it is this is another off-grade cop situation. Yeah. Like such weird matches got a lot of time on this card, but I just again I said please note that the street fight. Went 15, went 15 minutes. minutes. It needed to go five. Cobb and Osprey went 12 minutes. Yeah. And this went eight minutes. No. Like, I, honestly, this cut the street fight. I don't understand why it was on the card. Like, as, as much as I love... Like, I think it would make a great tree show. Because we also have a six-person women run match. Just put... Take that, take that off. I'm sorry, see Mr. Guy. Put, um... Bully Ray on the tree show. Everyone's happy. Like, if this was a pre-show match, we wouldn't be complaining. No, I wouldn't be talking about it. I just wouldn't <laughs> have mentioned point. it. But instead, I had to sit and endure it for 15 minutes and one second, which is, ironically, 14 minutes and about 50 seconds longer than the rushing Dalton Castle match. Um, We then moved on to a winner-takes-all four-way tag team match for IWGP Tag Team and Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. With How good is PCO Dentons? With yeah, we will get into that in a minute. With the Gorillas of Destiny, uh, the current IWGP Heavyweight Champions, uh, sorry, Tag Team Champions, defeating Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King, Los Ingo Bernobles, De Hapan, Evil and Sonada, and the Briscoe Brothers. Um, so Evil and Sonada did a lot, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Can you remember? Can you remember anything? Apart from Sonada locking that, in the Paradise Lock. Um, I remember they came out separately and that was a little bit weird. It was, but it did, make, did mean we got both of their entrance music, which I like. Yeah, fair enough. Um, um, no, we didn't do much. Neither did... Um, actually, we only, I don't remember much from this match, but can we quickly talk about PCO's entrance? We can talk about PCO's entrance because it probably was, and this is no disrespect to this match, but this PCO's entrance was probably the best thing. Basically, they bought out an electric chair... They ta- they chained him to it, and then they connected a car battery and shocked him with a car battery into life, which was just incredible. Just and then he just brilliant. had the guy behind him because PCO just wouldn't look right with the title. It just he's brilliant, and just the man was so over. He got the biggest cheer of the night because he's fucking amazing. I think. Do you see now why I love PCO? Oh god, yeah. And we'll, like I'll get into a couple of moves as well. Um, 
because oh, um, Boko probably got that at, Pete, at Bowler last year, and he did a moonsault. Um, it was him versus Brody King. He was going to do a moonsault on the apron. There's a reason he didn't do the moonsault because he he um didn't get tight. He didn't get the his positioning right and landed gut first on the ring rope. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds horrendous. This, this is a fifty-something-year-old man. I mean, here he took a double power bomb from inside the ring onto the to the outside. outside. Oh, oh my god! My god, uh, he's been doing he's been doing that for years. I mean, How what the alive? fuck? I watched it and I physically squirmed. And then not only that, I you've know, got Mark Briscoe lying on the apron. And then PCO goes to the top and performs a cannonball off the top onto Mark Briscoe. How is Mark does, Briscoe does, does... not in half? No. Actually, fun fact, once I saw I just once saw Mark Briscoe break his hand at event and afterwards he just went to the fucking concession stand and cut his hand in the ice. Um but He's hilarious. Yeah. Um but yeah, Gorillas of Destiny went over. Uh, one with the super power bomb on Brody King, I believe. Um, yeah, the tattooed gun. Like yeah. the fat Alistair Black. So, yeah, exactly. Who is also absolutely brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed mm-hmm. him as well. Basically, so villain enterprises. In he's, a big, in, he's in a tag team with PCO, which sort of does take the spotlight off him. Yeah, I mean, the villain enterprises team were the, easily the most enjoyable thing about this match. The Briscoe brothers yeah. did nothing. Really, I mean, they hit their tag finisher. Like, well, I say tag finisher. They hit the Dre- J Driller and the Froggy Bow. That was literally all they I, did. Sonata, pardon? This, so many people were such a non-factor in this match. I forgot whether Destiny were in it, and they fucking won it. They won it exactly. <laughs> um, it was all sort of overshadowed, though, somewhat, which is a shame because two cunts decided they were going to run the barrier. Um, and. And these um, cunts... Can I just say this? Everything is pointing towards this being a work now. Oh, yeah. 100% a work. Because for a start, the punches that Big Cass is throwing to Bully Ray are so worked it's painful. No, but here's the thing, though. I don't think but, um, Cass could actually punch someone in real life, though. Well, no. Basically, like... Enzo More and Big Cass jumped the barricade and went after Bully. Uh, went after the Briscoes, didn't they? Um, and mm-hmm. I think they also... Bully Ray came down, and they went after Bully Ray, and then they went after Villain Enterprises. Note, they didn't go after any of the New Japan guys. Yeah. Just fucking, but fucking, can you imagine if Camacho got his hands on it? Yeah. That's a good, or Evil, to be fair. Evil's a big yeah. yoth. Um, I, I, imagine if PCO got their hands on it. Jesus Christ. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it, it looked like a work. It, it, it just did. everything um, reeks of a work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you say that, but then why didn't you know? Why were they not training the cameras on them? They're probably trying to get buzz around. It's probably the only way you can get buzz around Enzo and Cass coming into Ring of Honor. Yeah, well, you know, what I think this was conspiracy theory. I think they were testing to waters so for when people said, "Oh, it's a work," how people reacted to it. Would you be excited about so seeing Enzo and Cass off. again? I, I do love like his thing I do love Enzo's promo he's a great promo like there's no denying how good a promo he is fuck off <laughs> like go to Impact if you want to cut promos like you're not Ring of Honor is not a place known for good promo time so am I right in thinking that you definitely want to see Enzo and Cass in World Tag League <laughs> you know what Rob 
that would make World Tag League a bit more interesting. Do you know what I mean, would make it very, very interesting? Watching what? Enzo Amore against Minoru Suzuki. Oh, just the it, it thought would, of him that, getting the shit is, beaten out of him. That is the sexiest one snuff film. Oh, God, yeah. Can you imagine? And then, obviously, Ishii's going to be in it as well. So him versus yeah. Ishii. Goto even hits quite hard. Goto, yeah. It's a shame Michael Elgin's oh. gone from uh, New Japan, really, isn't it? Because Michael Elgin would have fucked oh, him oh, up and all. Now? Oh, yeah, he's been gone that. a while. Yeah, there were two. I mean, his last match was New Japan and Cup. That's a shame. I think that's a shame. He can go back to not taking sexual assault allegations seriously. But Exactly. Um, as is his want. <laughs> perfectly for everyone apart from the victim. Um, anyway. <laughs> is this another bit I'm going to have to cut? <laughs> no, here's the thing, though. I'm, it's not offensive. I'm just saying that Michael Elgin is a garbage person who doesn't take sexual assault allegations. Which we don't condone. Not, we do not that's condone. Not, that's, not, that's not controversial because he's a piece of shit. Anyway, continue. Right. All of Chris's thoughts and things are not condoned by the podcast. Okay, so just take it all out on Chris. At oh, Can- so, you, so you don't think that Michael Elgin is a piece of shit? At CandyChris97. Um, worst Twitter handle. Ever. I hate we can't, saying we can't it. Go fucking, can we not go? Is, is it a new Zuka for you? Do you just need something to vent all your anger? I think I do. And now Zuka's gone. I think I do. Hey, you're taking it out on me. Jesus. Can't you pick another wrestler? <laughs> um, so, the unfortunate thing was, aside from the fact that we had to sit through Enzo Mori and Big Cass being shepherded from the building, was that A, it sort of killed a bit of the buzz... And oh, Yano stole the belts, didn't he? Yano stole the belts, which (laughs) I think was supposed to be the storyline. But then the Gorillas of Destiny were on the apron, and they were clearly just watching Enzo Mori getting his ass handed to him by Bully Ray, (laughs) and forgot to acknowledge that Yano was stealing the belts. Now I know Yano because they cut they cut to the Gorillas of Destiny and they were looking down. Yeah, exactly. Now I know Yano's done this before, hasn't he? He's run off with the belts. I think that was in the lead up to Wrestle Kingdom eleven. He just ran off with the belts um, and then the other match. Ishii, and yeah, that'd be 11 because he won the Never Open Way at 10. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then him and Ishii won the belts, I believe. Yeah, him and Ishii. Yeah. Which was a fucking weird one. Yeah, very weird. Um, but the problem was, after we'd had all this and then after we'd sort of shepherded the two cunts out of the ring um, and then we'd, you know, we'd sort of had all the commentary and everything, everyone was a little bit flat. And it was a shame because the British Heavyweight Championship match, which was next between Zack Sabre Jr. and Hiroshi Tanahashi, was a really, really good match. But the it, crowd it seemed so flat and so deflated. I mean, they popped big for Tanahashi's entrance. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's Hiroshi Tanahashi. And the they, man has charisma for days. Oh, God, absolutely. And they popped big when Sabre won. Mm-hmm. Um, they For that final submission, the crowd were chanting hard. But the lull in the middle of that match, it was almost silent. I mean, there was a bit of chain wrestling at the start, which was so well worked, was so smooth, and then they stood up, and in New Japan, you usually get a round of applause or a cheer. They stood up, nothing. And it was... It was it was so ridiculous, and it just made me hate Enzo and Cass even more, because it was like, you fuckers, look what you've done to the crowd. Luckily, it didn't last, but you fuckers, look what you've done to the yeah. crowd. Um... But this was just a Sabre Jr. versus Tanahashi match, and those are never ever yeah, disappointing. They're, they're never disappointing, but also never that different. Like you could put, you could cut them up, and with the exception of like different arenas, you couldn't really tell they were a different match. 
Yeah, I would argue this was slightly better than their New Japan Cup quarterfinal match. Um, well, yeah, but this is better than the New Japan Cup. It's not as good as the G1 match from no. 2017. Oh, just smacked my microphone. Um, no, I agree. I don't think it's... Just... Boom. <laughs> um, but it was still a really good match. Sabre Jr. again was built extremely strong. He had the, the way ma- he moves. Oh my god. The the way he transitions from move to move, it's it's almost as Colt Cabana said, that's not a real move. Um it's it's impossible to just track how he manages to transition into these moves. Um, it's like when you see him like a millipede move and you just can't tell how it's moving on its legs in tandem. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, absolute props to Tanahashi, considering the age he's at. And the fact that he is in there with someone who is literally trying to rip his knee apart. You keep forgetting he's approaching, he's like closer to 50 than... He is to 40, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, Hiroshi Tanahashi didn't really have that much offense. He he locked in the Cloverleaf a couple of times. There was a wonderful moment where he transitioned out of one of Sabre Jr.'s holds into the Cloverleaf. That looked amazing. (laughs) And then um, he had a couple of uh, Dragon Screw leg whips, hit a sling blade, I believe. Um, he went for the high fly flow, but Zack Sabre Jr. then locked in a triangle armbar on him on the ropes, which just looked fucking great. It really oh, did. Yeah. He then had him locked in a, what's it, through the bottom rope. Zack Sabre Jr. had Tanahashi locked in um, an armbar through the middle rope. That looked amazing. Just just everything, just everything Zack Sabre Jr. It, does is just godlike. His thing was the SJ versus um, Pam. It's the Mr. Brightside of um, wrestling matches. Because it's great every time, but it's the same throughout the whole song. Is it second verse, same as the first type thing? What a great analogy. <laughs> what a great analogy. Um, I mean, you're not wrong. This was an eight-star match, and... Oh, this is definitely out of ten. Yeah. Um... You look at the 9 out of 10s that we've given over the course of this podcast, you know, the NXT matches, and we haven't given any 9s so far, have we here? Um, So the NXT matches. And this doesn't compare with them. It was a very different match. It was still an absolutely excellent match, but like you said, there was nothing that differentiated it that much from the New Japan Cup match or their G1 match. Not, Not quite, anyway. Um... We then moved on to the Intercontinental Championship match with Kota Ibushi taking the title of Tetsuya Naito in 20 minutes and 53 seconds. The point where Chris won the G1 Supercard? The point where Chris won the G1 Supercard, yes. Um, This was another outstanding match. Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito can wrestle all the time forever, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it It was the right pace. 20 minutes was perfect. Was it as good as their New Japan Cup first round match? Probably no. not. Um, but this was excellent. Mostly because they weren't dropping themselves on their neck the whole time. Yeah, exactly. But, it seemed a um, lot more but, safe. But, but, but like these two um, got um, tackled at least like twice a year. And unlike Sabre and Tana, it's always very different. Like um, that Hurricane Rana off the um, apron. Oh, God, out of yeah. nowhere. Like, normally when that happens, it's telegraphed, but it just happened out of fucking nowhere. Kobe is so smooth. He is. And then, like, yeah, after that, it was very much like a... You know how, like, in the middle of a G1, there'll be amazing matches, but they won't be doing stupid spots. It was a bit like that. Yeah, exactly. It was... A, it was. 
Their New Japan Cup match, they were literally trying to break each other's necks, which seems to be the story, yeah. to the point where even the commentary team referenced it during this match. They just seemed to enjoy hurting each other. Um, but this match, there was the odd spot where you were like, fucking hell, ow. Um, there was um, a suplex on the outside where Naito went, landed horrendously, and then there was obviously the aforementioned Hurricane Rana off the apron. Um, but other than that, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was very, it was a striking match, a lot more safe moves. Um, Ibushi absolutely destroyed Naito in the lead up to the finish with those knee strikes, the bomb IAs and the Kamagoyes. Jesus Christ! I pump. I I did pop. I pop every time he does the um, bomb IAs. Do you know what though? I really enjoyed the story leading into this match about how Kota Ibushi holds two-person mm-hmm. in godlike status. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura. Both yeah. of them are IWGP Intercontinental Champions. Both of them have elevated that championship. I want to be the next person to do that. Kota Ibushi has gone twice for the Intercontinental Championship and has lost it both times against Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. It, it just it made all this... And also against Tanahashi. Yeah. It was just such poetic beauty in this match. And then just his face when he won it. The crowd, again, they built themselves back up and they were nuclear for this match. There was dueling mm-hmm. chance of Naito, Ibushi. It was just such a feel-good moment for Ibushi to finally claim this title. And it's it's going... I, I would argue that he would then go on to hold this belt until... I reckon I could see him holding this till Wrestle Kingdom. I reckon I can see him holding it for a long like, um, Here's the thing, I was about to say if you want to build the IC title, but like Naito was already back. They've done an amazing job with the IC title. He has. Um, and like, no disrespect to Naito, but I think I'm more excited for the Bushi, right? Just because we haven't had the Bushi hold a championship for a meaningful spell of time since I think his junior reign. Because like, when he opened, when he won the Never Open Weight, he lost it on his first trip. Um, first defense. He so won I'm it. Looking forward to seeing a good long reign with Did he win it? He won it at the World Tag League final, so he won it in December and lost it in January, didn't he? January, yeah. So like he hasn't had a good, he hasn't had any sort of title run for a very long time. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. It, it, it is something fresh. So with this, which weird that it is to say. Yeah. So with this result and the result of the main event, does this pretty much nail on that Naito is going to win the G1? No, never try and predict the G1 until at least halfway through the G1, that's what I want to say. The only reason I'm doing that, I, I agree with you, trying to predict the G1 is is folly, but the only reason I said about it now is because you've got two nights this year, well, next year, and... Uh, right. It's going to be ICU in one, but then again, there's so many big things already announced, like why you last match, so... I don't know, I, I do think trying to predict it, I do see where you're coming from thinking um, maybe, um, that Niles winning the G1, but also don't. Like, New Japan's been shaking up so much this year already with like Omega leaving, Jay White winning, Jay White losing, fuck off. Um, just, uh, like it's been shaking up so much, like Red Pro being, basically being their UK championship at this point. Um, I see no point in predicting the G1 until he's happy with the G1. Because, like, if you, if you look last year, would you? If I you just, I just said to you, Tanner's winning. Would you won last year? Would you believe me? No, no, true. I mean, they're not going to have Tanahashi win it again. If I'm perfectly you know, honest. Like when night, or like when Naito won. Um, would you have told me? Would uh, when everyone thought Omega was going to win, or like when Omega won, when everyone thought Shibata was going to win? It's never who you think. It's the dif- the difference is there, though. You had 
more than one outstanding competitor. In this but year's G1, if Okada right. is holding the belt, if Okada holds the belt through Dominion, which he will do, okay, and we go into the G1 with Okada as champion, Okada's not going to win the G1 as champion. He's just not. It's never happened. It will never happen because that makes no sense. I think it has happened, but it's like years and years ago. Okay. Has it? I'll have to check that. Um, I think Chono won as champion. Oh, wow. Well. Or Tenzan. Like someone from... Like, I don't blame you for not knowing because I'm probably wrong. But... No, fair enough. But if Okada, win, if Okada isn't going to win it as champion because you need someone to fill two nights at the, at the Tokyo Dome, Tanahashi... He won the last one. The chance of him winning back-to-back, very, very slim. That leaves Naito and Jay White. Ibushi. I don't think Ibushi will win it. I think Ibushi will stay with the Intercontinental Championship. I, I think I, I think he might be right, but I'm just saying it's a possibility. Uh, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm certainly not discounting they might, him. They might, they might pull the trigger and off. Right? I, 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 New Japan are very unpredictable. Yeah. It's like trying to predict Lucha Underground, except not as crazy. I mean, yeah, you've got Osprey, you've got Ibushi, you know, both of those are dead certs for the G1. I mean, don't forget now, we've lost Michael Elgin as well, and I know he was never going to win the G1, but he was a G1 certainty. You know, I, th- I think he'll be replaced by Carter. I think the champ, well, he's going to be, isn't he? He's the never open weight yeah. champion, um, which I'm far more excited about. But, you know, much as I love Jeff Cobb, he's not winning the G1. They've lost a lot of last year's G1 field, haven't they? They've lost a lot. I mean, Tai Chi's going to be in there. And, you know, much as I know you love Tai Chi, search your soul, you know he's not he's, winning the G1. He's been, he's been doing... I know he's not, because, like, they don't book for me. <laughs> Look, I, I, I just... I, I understand there's going to be, like, Rumble where there's going to be, like, two options. I still don't think you should just think one's going to win at this early stage. A lot can... New Japan booking changes so quickly. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? They could sign someone outstanding, you know, Nakamura could come back. I mean, it's not going to happen, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, it would. You imagine the pop he would get at the Tokyo Dome. They might, they might bring in Marufuji again. So. I wouldn't say no to that. I certainly wouldn't say no to that. Um, I don't know. I just it it gives you food for thought, definitely. Yeah. We then moved on to the Ring of Honor World Championship match. Now, bearing in mind that the last Ring of Honor World Championship match I'd been made to endure was Jay Lethal versus TKO Ryan. I wasn't filled with a lot of anticipation for this one. Oh, I, I watched the last event before this, which was um, Lethal and um, what's his face for new champion, Taven, um, going to a 60-minute draw. Oh, uh, with the 17th anniversary. Yeah, which is pretty blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, it was a three-way ladder match, and Matt Taven defeated Jay Lethal, the champion, and Marty Skrull to become the new Ring of Honor world champion. How good was my entrance? In 29 minutes and 35 seconds. Marty's entrance was outstanding. I would argue top five most over in this card. Top three. Most over non-New Japan competitor. I would say aside from Okada, Naito, Bushi, and Tanahashi, he was the most over. Yeah. Um, one thing also is, um, so, like, Taven won. Uh, you reviewed Ring of Honor for quite a while. Yes. Um, was Taven a massive factor? Because, like, from what I see, I come in and out of Ring of Honor, as you know. Yes. Um, I tend to go in for, like, a month when I'm going to a show. 
And we've been trying to make Matt Taven a thing for about two years now. And you know what it feels like? You know like an ECW when Tommy Beamer won the title because everyone else is done? Yes. It feels like that because they know no one's signing um, Matt Taven. Um, it's always been a case of Matt Taven has been there. He's a great monster of the week. I've never once looked at Matt Taven and gone, he is world championship material. Whereas with Jay Lethal, despite the fact that he has quite a bland character, the man can go in the ring and he carries himself as a champion. Like a champion. Marty Skirt. That that time spent with like... um... Nash and Flair really helped him. Exactly. You look at Marty Skrull, you can see him holding the championship. Yeah, it looks like a championship Marty should be holding. Yeah, and, you know, much as I'm not a massive fan of his, Dalton Castle was a champion. That looked like it was made for Dalton Castle. Exactly. Even Cody. You look at it and you think, yeah, he looks like a champion. Is mm. Matt Taven in that that mould, that build. No, because he looks like a fucking nerd dad. He looks uh, like a substitute teacher. You dad. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's nothing against him. He gets heat, which is great, and he's excellent at getting heat. And here he took a lot of absolutely staggeringly terrifying bumps, um, as yeah, they that, all did. That, that's been, he's one of the, he's, There's nothing wrong with him, but he doesn't have... He doesn't have the X factor, does he? No, he is again. It's a Tommy Dreamer type thing where, like, he'll he'll he's light, he's fine. Like, sure, he's a serviceable world champion. He's not who you have win at your mania. No, no, absolutely not. And that's the thing that I took issue with this because you can attest that once this match had finished, I texted you and went, "Matt fucking Taven." Like you had you had a. Bigger reaction to this than he did to Baron Corbin. Yeah, I mean, Marty Skrull was in this match. Now, obviously, we don't know the backstage politics of whether Marty Skrull is going to AEW once his contract runs out. We don't know what's happening with that. You know, Jay Lethal has got to drop the belt at some point. It makes sense for him to drop it at MSG. But Matt Taven, in your your main event, in your main event... And even the story, it does make sense because Matt Taven has been chasing it. He even did the whole make his own real world championship type thing. He's not over. He he hasn't got over in this process. I mean, I know he's not supposed to be over. He's a heel. Yeah, but that's the thing. You couldn't get Matt Taven on a non Ring of Honor show and have him draw. You could get Leaf on a non Ring of Honor show, he would draw. You get Marty on a non Ring of Honor show, he'd draw. Get fucking. Taven on the non Ring of Honor show, not gonna, no one's going to care. You're, and not like I'm not going to go to Discovery to see fucking Matt Taven versus Chris Rantry. No. It does sound like we're shitting on him. It's just this isn't the right place for him to win it. He's better than TKO Ryan. I mean, TKO Ryan's his fucking um, he's TKO Ryan's senpai. So. TKO Ryan's dog shit. Um, he, he's not as half as bad as you say. Yes, he is. He's not. He's not that bad. Yes, he is. Um, he's, he's serviceable. He's not. Um, <laughs> if you can't put on a good fucking match with Jay Lethal, I'm sorry, no. Um, we have, like, the best of To be fair, though, like, we say that about everyone, but like Goto can put on a good match with Carl, but then can put on an amazing match with Suzuki. It's all about the context. We shit on Goto all the time. No, I shit on Goto because he's... Right, okay, that's probably one of the best examples. I've stopped talking to Goto because I haven't seen him in about two months. Uh, Which is the best uh-huh. thing that could have happened to him. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Like I actually popped a little bit when he came out in the Rumble. So. Forgot he existed. Um, no, I actually I only popped because his theme theme wasn't um, dubbed, to be honest. And he's got a badass theme. Yeah. I'm not oh please, please <laughs> try it! Oh my god! No, no, because you, I actually said about the last podcast. And you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so this match, I mean, it's probably better just to list the spots. Um, we had at one point the ladders they were put through one another, so they created some sort of standing X. And then, Why did he, oh yeah, fucking, I forgot about that. And Never then Taven no, was suplexed. Here's the thing, though, it wasn't just twice. It. Like a ladder was in the corner, so someone could get thrown into it. Lethal came in to hit someone, missed, and fell into it. It was a very, it was very, um, as, as natural a spot, a lad spot as you can do. Like it wasn't contrived at all. Oh no, it actually worked really well. And Taven, yeah. oh my god, I don't know how he stood up after that. Um, and that's why, like Lethal, he's well, he's very flashy. He's also very old still in how he put together a match. Yeah, absolutely. Lethal came off a ladder and put Taven through a table with the Macho Man elbow. Skrull went through a table after Taven speared him off the um, off the uh, apron. That was brutal. The fucking kind of crew fucked that up a little bit. They did a little bit. They but, missed it um, completely, didn't they? Yeah, but it's not as bad as fucking United We Stand where the hard cam didn't even stay still. But, um... <laughs> the world's best yeah, indie yeah. show. Um... Lethal got powerbomb through a ladder um, on the ramp. It just, just everyone. There was no person here who was like, "Oh well, they aren't taking their bumps." Everybody here took a yeah. fucking horrendous bump, even to the point there where at no the end, this, this was this was the bit I had an issue with. Aside from the fact that Matt Taven won, and the fact that some fucking bloke was wearing a Madison Square Taven shirt, worst <laughs> name ever. Um. The bit I didn't understand why. So Matt Taven brings out this purple ladder because his gimmick is purple, um, and it was a bigger ladder, so he was going to climb up and win the championship. Then Marty and Jay Lethal then brought out separate silver ladders and created bridges from the purple ladder to the ring ropes. The bridges made no sense. It didn't like, make like any no sense. Re- you made it harder to climb the ladder. That- that's what I don't understand. And the commentary team didn't help either because they acted as confused as we were. They must have been fumbling to find a reason. That's when they were clearly trying to find a good kayfabe reason, but clearly couldn't think of one, which is stupid if you're going to be calling a fucking ladder match. I mean... Fucking Kevin. Exactly. The The reason that they did it was so that at the end, Matt Taven could knock Jay Lethal off and Jay Lethal would go through the ladder. Yeah. But they needed to come up with a far less contrived way of getting those ladders into the position they needed to be put in. Put a table there. Just put a table there. Exactly. Just something. Because it that took me out of the ending completely. Here's how you do here's how you do that. You have someone set it up and try to power bomb someone through it, someone stops it. That's how you do that and not have it be contrived. Yeah, absolutely. Just something as simple as that. They they missed a step. They just missed the step. And it's probably because they were already going a bit long. They did. This went like, 29 obviously. minutes. and This did not need to be 29 minutes. It didn't. And it certainly did drag towards the end. It wasn't a massive issue. I'd say 25 minutes would have been perfect. I'd, I'd, I'd argue 20. Um, but, yeah. Um, 
But then again, though, I think if we did 20, we wouldn't have actually had the bits where we were selling. So. Exactly. And I think if we actually sold and it was great. Yeah. I think overall this was a decent match. I enjoyed it. It's the best Ring of Honor match. Oh, by a mile. And I did enjoy it. I really did enjoy it. I'd give it seven. I, I Yeah, I'd go, I'd go, I was going to argue eight, but then I was like, if this was five minutes shorter, then probably an eight. Yeah, I mean, for me... That's what, it's very hard to make a ladder match a ten out of ten. Well, yeah, unless you're NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Um, I mean, the <laughs> things we, the things that knocked this down for me were... The fact that Taven won, I just, I just, it's nothing against Taven. I just think he's the wrong person to win it here. Um, the fact it's like, that you know what it's like. It's like if tomorrow morning, um, Killian Dane randomly won the WWE Championship. It's like, okay, cool. I like Killian Dane, but why? Yeah, exactly. What? Just, just why here? Why at Mania? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I don't mind Taven winning if he's going to win it. Win it at the seventeenth anniversary. Yeah, because if that was. If that was lethal breaking a record for title defenses there, I would understand it. But it wasn't. It was a it was a nothing title defense. So I don't really understand why Taven didn't win it there. At the seventeenth anniversary, the anniversary show, which was only ever good for random appearances, because like Samoa Joe turned up one year and people popped. Yeah, exactly. Uh, big shout out to Marty, by the way, for trying to use the umbrella to catch the. Um... I I did all that. That was brilliant. That was ace. Um... But yeah, 7 out of 10. Like I say, the things that knocked it down were Taven winning. Again, nothing against Taven. Um, the fact that ladder spot at the end just really contrived, made no sense. And if you've got the commentary team having to work out reasons to why that would be the case, then it's wrong. And then just it went too long. Um, and I think they're three, you know, they're not big things, but they're big enough to knock it down. 7 out of 10 is still a fantastic match. Still a really enjoyable match. It was definitely the best Ring of Honor match by a country mile. Um, but yeah, 7 out of 10 I think is fair. We then move on to the main event of the evening, which was the IWGP <sighs> Heavyweight Championship match with the 2009 New Japan Cup winner, Kazuchika Okada. 2009. So 2009, 2019. <laughs> uh, New Japan Cup winner, Kazuchika Okada, defeating Jay White, the current champion, in 32 minutes and 33 seconds. Now, Chris... Call me in intuitive. I think you have a slight problem with this. To what end is this fucking result? <laughs> like, okay, so it feels like New Japan falling onto a spail thing. Like, okay, everything's crashing, put the belt on Okada. And, like, why he hasn't had the defense? He hasn't had a chance to prove himself as champion. And in the one match he's had as champion, it was amazing. It was the Osprey match. And then you look. Uh, like who he could possibly feud with, and it's exciting because it's different. He's very different from everyone else in New Japan. He's like a very British style worker in many ways. And then you have Okada, who's like, I love Okada. Okada's great, best wrestler in the world. He just had a two year reign. He's not been out of the, um, he's not been out of title, the title um, picture for any meaningful stretch of time. Because after he lost, he was in the one where you're inherently in the title picture. And then he was always talked about like as a future contender. So he hasn't been away from the title long enough for this to be like a good change for me. And I feel like New Japan, which is something they very rarely do, saw the reception to J.I. winning and panicked. Because this does not feel like a predetermined move two years in advance like Geta normally does. Um, yeah, 
I un- I understand that. Um, I think if you're looking ahead, which Gato obviously does, if you're looking ahead to Wrestle Kingdom, you're looking at having your right. Yeah, but here's here's the thing. You can there's several ways you can set this up without doing this. You can have Okada win the G1 and have that be the main event. Then again, that might not draw. Oh, you can have Okada beat Jay White as champion in the G1 and then win it at King of the Wrestling. Or Dominion. Or do, in the G1? No, yeah, no, or you no, can no, have no. it in, in Dominion. Dominion before the G1. Is what I meant. Okay. Like, I'm just saying, there's, be- there's better ways you can do it. Give Jay White a few more defenses. Have it be a credible length. Like, have it be at least be as long as fucking Kenny next. Okay. And I agree with you. To, I think Jay White should have retained. I think Jay White yeah. should have retained. I agree with you. But... How long was Okada's first reign with the belt? Okay, not long, but at the, at the same time, it was still hot shot between three men. It's only hot shot between gonna hot shot between these two now. Like, and it wasn't. I, I, I don't know. It's not even. It's not even exciting as an Okada Tana match, and that's the thing. Like the rematch isn't any exciting as any Tana Okada match. It's just. I don't know. It's like Tana's reign wasn't as long as that. When um, Tana won it immediately back, it does feel panicky. That's that's my only issue with it. It feels panicky, and I don't think there's any more feuds Okada can do that is interesting that he hasn't already done. Matt Taven. I would actually quite enjoy. It. Oh, he hasn't done Tai Chi yet. That'd, that'd be nice. I reckon that's probably what you'll get at something like a Kazuna, not Kazuna Road. You won't have that Kazuna Road. What's the next? Uh, Dantak, who's the next one where it'll get defended. Yeah. Now here's the thing, because <laughs> they the end of pe- people look at Tanner's like long reign is really good, but by the end of it, he was feuding with um, Yujiro and Toriano, and that's what who Okada has left. That's why you took the belt off him because he ran. He he naturally in the two years ran through all his challenges. And then can and then his greatest challenge, um, challenger won it, won it from him. There's no good story I can see coming from this. I'll probably be proven wrong, but my initial thing is this feels just like a failsafe. Okay, looking forward, who would you like to see Okada defend against? At I'd Hockey? like to see another. I'd like to see another Sonata match. That was a great match. Again, I um, mean, we've seen Sonata versus Okada a lot. We have. We have. We've had it like twice in the last year. We had it. That's the thing. We've had anyone who, like, everyone who's interested in who can challenge Okada has challenged Okada in the last year. Well, I mean, looking. I mean, you've got Evil. Evil challenged. Yeah, he challenged. Oh, he, he challenged uh, King Pro Wrestling, and then we had another match with D1. Yep, and then you've got Tanahashi, who they've who, ju- they had. A match. It's, it's always great, but like, they, they've. That's bookended now. You should not be having that for a long time. We had that big feud last year. No, they're not going to spaff Naito at the war. No, which not again. You can't have Kotobushi at the moment because of the Intercontinental Championship. You can't. You can't have Osprey because he's also in chaos. You can't have Ishii because he's already in chaos. Already in chaos. Yeah, but that that doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, you you have. I mean, they made a massive thing of the fact that Okada ran through mainly chaos guys until the final of the New Japan Cup. That's a one-off story. They don't put unless one of them won a tournament. They don't put chaos people against. Yeah, chaos but they people. did it with Goto. 
Get, no, get, when Go to Challenge, he wasn't part of Chaos. He joined right after he oh, lost. Oh, did he join right after he lost? Right, okay, my bad. Yeah. In which case, you look at the other factions. You've got Suzuki Goon. Who could legitimately challenge out Suzuki Goon? You've got we have we Suzuki and Saber. Saber would be the a two. good one. They are literally the two. Well, yeah, but Saber. we had Saber Junior literally this time last year as Sakura Genesis. Oh no, it was two years ago. No, it wasn't. It was last year. No, it was it was it was last year. But like, it's been long enough, and Saber had a victory over Okada, which he never cashed in for a title shot. So I think that could be good. That could be interesting. Okay. Um, which leaves Bullet Club. You've got Jay White. Obviously, they're going to leave that for a while now. Um, you've got yeah, Tama. Mm, no, it wouldn't be great, but it's um, it's a feud that hasn't been had. I, 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 I just don't see it. I mean, the problem is now your your Bullet Club is mainly made up of juniors. Um, yeah, I was saying Bullet Club isn't that credible now. <laughs> we did not need Fantasmo as much as we love Fantasmo. They did not need him. No. Lij, you've got Naito, Evil, Sonata, but obviously Evil's the only one who hasn't challenged him in a while. And I could see Shingo in like two years, but not now. Yeah, I know, but we're looking at imminent challenges here. You know, you... yeah, no, that's no problem. Um, Sekigen, um, Nagata, Nagata would be nice. Yeah, I could see that. I'd, I'd be up for that. Um, you've also got people like, um, I mean, Makabe. Is no. Did you see the deal on that? I'm not. I'm not saying it'd be great. I'm saying it. You know. No, that's thing. But, but okay, we're, we're struggling to think this. But you think of interesting feuds that White hasn't had, or it hasn't been managed to the ground. You have Naito. You have everyone in Lij. Basically, you have Ibushi. You have this like, and that's a good t- until Wrestle Kingdom series of feuds. There, it's everyone bar Tanahashi. Bas- everyone bar Tanahashi and Okada, basically. Dude, I'm I'm in, I am in agreement with you. I'm playing devil's advocate. I want I know to, you I wanted to, Jay White to win. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't like shitting up on the fact that Okada won, but you know when like you were, when Cena lost, and it was like okay that was a good um, reign there by Cena, and then it was immediately back on Cena. It's like that. If this was Cena, people would be bitching. You say that when did? When did Okada lose it? Dominion. So, Domin- not even a yeah, year no, ago. I, no, I understand that, but like he had not been away from the title scene enough for this. To, like I think I I I said this when he lost, and I've said this in basically every line we did. Okada needs to be away from this scene for a long time. Maybe go for another belt. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, we, we haven't even spoken about the match yet. It was it was a good match. It was a it was very a really good, good match. match. Very it's good match. Probably the best match. I mean, these two, they never put on a bad match. Jay White is the reversal king. I could watch him reverse Rainmakers into suplexes and Blade Runner attacks. He's the attempts. best map um, side of suplex. Oh, God. Yeah, just just everything these two do, they have such great chemistry. To have, to have seen Jay White as a young lion, to progress to where he is now. To have, se- to have seen him in fucking Ring of Honor. I mean, don't get me wrong, he had a fantastic match against Will Ospreay at Ring of Honor. Yeah, no, that's thing, but like compared to the match you had not a month ago. That's, well, yeah, true. It's, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? I mm. mean, I I love everything Jay White. I mean, this isn't going to be Jay White's only IWGP Heavyweight Championship reign. Let's no, let's I mean, make that perfectly clear. He is. It is very it is very rare. Someone's first reign is like the reign that defines. That him. was the point but I was making. Give it, give him a defense. I know you're in agreement, but like I'm fighting the devil's advocate here. Like, give him a defense. One defense. If this was after one defense, I'd be happy. Yeah, I mean, 
He, mm, has he had one defence? No, he hasn't. Because no, he hasn't. Because Osprey was a non-title. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't forget Osprey is, is technically Osprey is technically still a junior. Don't forget he is only twenty-six, mate. No, I'm, I'm not saying this is a burial of Jay Wyatt. I'm saying putting it on Okada is the bad name. Because I know inherently it's going to produce good matches. Obviously. But it's, it's, it's going to feel like New Japan this time last year. Okay, well... Which is, which is good, but we've seen it. Right, well, ladies and gentlemen, if you if the match is fantastic, I would argue but, 9 out of 10. I, I would argue this is their best match. Yeah, this is definitely Jay White's second best match. Yeah. Um, actual I'd argue 9 out of 10. Really, really good match. Really exciting. At no point, despite the fact that it went, you know, nearly um, nearly 35 went, minutes, yeah. it's still an outstanding match, and I actively encourage you to go and check it out. But if we have a look at the New Japan roster now, okay? Because this is interesting to think about now. If we look at the roster and actually look at who legitimately could be the next challengers for um, Okada now that he's got the belt. Realistically, before the G1, you have got two challengers he's got to have. Yeah. He's got to have Dominion and he's got to have Dontaku. So, oh, the website hasn't been updated yet. Um, So, realistically... Big shock, New Japan don't know how to run a website. (laughs) So, realistically, these are the heavyweights. I'm just going to run through them, irrelevant of, you know, whether you you know whether they feuded recently, so you got evil, he could legitimately be a challenger. Yeah. Bad luck, Farley. I can see that, and and, and no, I'm sad. I can see that. But I can see that. I don't think we're going to see that because of they've literally just had a match. Literally just. <laughs> yeah, but we literally just had an Okada race. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Uh, Chase Owens. It it won't be Chase Owens. Um. I mean, you've got Jericho, but it's not going to be Jericho. No, Jericho's out now, he's in AEW. Yeah, but he has still got it in his contract that he can work with uh, New Japan. Okay, fair enough. Um, if it was Jericho, I'd be fine. If, if it was, if this is off of Jericho versus Okada, I will somewhat retract. <laughs> I'd love that. Well, Jericho did say that he'd never once wrestled Okada, uh, never once wrestled Okada, so that could be... Can you imagine if he came up at the Titan Tron and it was him versus Okada at Dominion? Mm-hmm. That would like be that, very entertaining. If that, if that happened, like that's an interesting feud. Fine. Yeah. Um, you've got David Boy Smith Jr. But obviously, no. Finley's out injured. Uh, they're all juniors. And that would still be a no anyway. Yeah. You've got Hikuleo. <laughs> <laughs> you you wouldn't even entertain a Tamatonga feud earlier. No, that's fair enough. Um, Goto is obviously chaos. Tanashi. Obviously, we've had that quite a few times. I don't think we're going to get that again. Uh, Tenzan, absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. Um, JY, they're probably going to leave that for a bit now. Jeff Cobb, well, he's the openweight champion, so it's not going to be him. Juice is the American champion. A um, couple of young lions. You've still got Omega on the website. It's not going to be Omega again. God's sake, New Japan. This is worse than when fucking GFW kept Gallows and Anderson on there and Gargano on there. Fucking page. Tampa. Uh, Lance Archer, no. Well, I think I've found the winner. What? Your main event, Chris, of New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion is going to be... Kazuchika Okada, your current IWGP Heavyweight Champion, versus Manabu Nakanishi. If that happens, I'm walking to Stoke and slapping you. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, we've got the Briscoes, Mikey Nichols, uh, Suzuki. Oh, God, Nichols. Nichols is chaos anyway. Oh, yeah, true. Suzuki, no, that's thing. But 
I'm not no, I'm not saying this will not be good matches. There is no good fresh feud. Name one good fresh feud apart from Jericho. Yeah, I'm I'm going through the website, mate. Um <laughs> Sonata we've just seen. Kawato. No. Kojima. Kojima can still kind of go. Kind I don't of. want to see that, mate. But at the same time, if it's gonna if it's gonna be a dad making the gather. Tai Chi. Now, don't forget, he is challenging Cobb for the open weight championship, so it probably won't yeah, be so him. Probably won't be that. To be fair, though, um, I'd be happy. I mean, then you've got you're looking at people like Hanare, Makabe, Honma. It's not going to be any of them three. Or at least I fucking hope it isn't. Um, the crown of Honma has been fast, hasn't it? It really has. <laughs> uh, Ishii's obviously uh, chaos. Yoshihashi is obviously chaos. Yano's obviously chaos. Osprey's chaos. Saber, Saber, yeah. Yujiro, and and uh, Nagata. Yeah, they aren't feuds that <laughs> that sort of they don't fill you with anything, do they? We don't we don't get my loins a burning. No, they Saber. certainly don't. Um, they don't make me think. Fucking hell, I'm going to renew my New Japan World subscription. I mean, obviously, no, yeah, that's. But no, I mean, obviously, yeah, because fucking, have you ever tried to cancel New Japan? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. Anyway. By the by, I mean we can talk about this till the cows come home. It's it's irrelevant. Like, I don't. I, it feels bad that I'm shitting on Chad because he is amazing. But it's like we just had such a long way. Yeah, we did. But the thing like, is, he's now, not even Chris, out of the team for a year. Looking back at the G1 Supercard, was it a good show? It, it was over. No, it was a good night of wrestling. It was good. It was varied. Some down points for like on the New Japan side, which is the side I care about. There was no real like down points that aren't like personal to me because I can I think we're the only people in the world who are mad that Jay White lost. Probably like if you look on Twitter if you look at Twitter and you look at the crowd, then again they may have just been mad for a title change. I mean for me, again I said this at the start, this was a night of two pay per views. You'd got the New Japan show and you'd got the Ring of Which Honor it, show. You know what though it the New Japan stuff was just like a five-match takeover type thing. I think we'd be singing its phrases very well. Like we'd be like, "This is a really good, really solid show, not quite as good as Takeover." Yeah, I agree. But with the Ring of Honor, this is we literally do just drag down New Japan. Like, and we said the same about Honor Rising. Well, I didn't. I was on that podcast, but like we when we talked about Honor Rising, we sort of agreed a lot of the Ring of Honor stuff because Ring of Honor has some great talent. We don't book them well. We have the TNA problem. They don't. And that's unfortunate. But again, that's what we've said on this podcast from the get-go. You know, Ring of Honor, it can be an enjoyable product. But, I mean, fucking hell, you look at those matches that they've produced this, you know, for this show, and you just think, fucking hell, you had... You, I this don't understand. Yeah, this this is your biggest show, and you had Matt Taven win the title. This, this is probably the biggest show you'll ever have. Exactly. You had, you, you had Matt Taven win the title, and you had Kelly Klein win your woman's title in average to poor matches. That's 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 not good. No, yeah, that's not fair, I actually, no, because the table match I, was good. Yeah, like we, I don't think you should be lumping them together. This was an overall enjoyable show, but it was only really two matches I felt that were bad, and that was the six-man and um, the um, Kelly Klein match. Um, everything else was exciting, really high-paced, really well-worked, just I, it's, it speaks volumes that the thing most people are talking about with them doing cast. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Right. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this it was, podcast. It was still a really good show. It was. It was a good show. It was a good show. Please don't think we're shitting on it. It was a good show. Um, but I have realised, boys and uh, ladies and gentlemen, that I wanted this podcast to be about an hour and a half, or something quite you know easily digestible, and we've gone two hours and thirteen minutes. So I think we should probably wrap <laughs> it up now, Chris. Um, it's all right. I imagine the main event sort of fiasco talking the main, about the main event and also the tangents you led us down and i did lead us on some weird tangents today didn't i um yeah but nevertheless ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in we do really really appreciate it we'll be back on monday with our wrestlemania review hopefully fingers crossed if we've all watched it by then if not it will be tuesday um but in the meantime if you want to slag us off for having abused velvet sky or you know for slagging off Ring velvet of Honor, sky, if you want to slag us off velvet sky if you want to slag us off feel free we've you know please don't set bully ray on us yeah please don't set bully ray on us please or don't don't attack us yourself because to be honest i'm made of absolutely nothing you'd make mince me top me oh. Um, also, Velvet, if you can get me an autograph from Buddy Ray, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, any kind of signed merch, great, great stuff. Not from you, though, because I would destroy the value. <laughs> uh, Chris is at CandyChris97. Uh, you can find Garth at Garthamania, and you can find me at, at RealRobGoodwin. You can su- subscribe to the podcast literally anywhere there are podcasts, including Spotify now. All you've got to do is type in Podmania and we are there. We can find us on Stitcher, Podbean, you know, all that jazz. Um, check out our star ratings for all the matches on the website, our, our pay-per-view pick-ems. You can check out our predictions for the upcoming WrestleMania, both on the website at the pay-per-view pick-ems, and you can also look at them on Twitter. You can also check us out on Facebook at Podmania Podcasts. Check us out on YouTube at Real Pod Mania. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, guys. And we will talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Pod Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pod Mania, Facebook at Pod Mania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at Real Pod Mania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Yeah.